Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Wednesday. It's February 1st. We are here live. It's time for Destination Health. Lauren's here with me this morning. We also have a very special returning guest. Dr. Ben Tapper is joining us, and uh, I'm sure it's going to be a very interesting day. Jump in. If you've got questions, we'll take them. 855-950-3835. Phone lines are open right now, so go ahead and jump in and join us. We're just, uh, we're going to get started this morning. Lauren, good morning. Good morning, Kevin. Uh, you excited about today? I am. I'm like, I feel like so lucky to be, have <laughs> been on this, uh, on this, you know, show. I know, this what a treat. Be, this should be fun. <laughs> Yeah, this should be fun. All right. I agree. So we're just we're just going to jump right in. Let's not waste any time. Let's go ahead and bring Dr. Tapper in. Dr. Tapper, good morning. Welcome back. Hey, good morning. Thanks for having me. Can you hear me okay? Oh, you sound great. Sound great. Okay, great. Yeah. Hi, Dr. Tapper. Good. Great to have you. Yeah. Yes. Well, hello so, there. Thanks for having me. Yes. Yeah, so are you at home in Omaha this morning? I am in home. Uh, yes, it's cold. It's frigid cold here. I'm <laughs> at, and so it's good. I got. I'm home with my little ones today, so it's good. Awesome, awesome. We love that. So you know, there's so much I want to talk to you about, and unfortunately, I hate to say it, but a lot of it's negative. So let's see if we can at least start off with something <laughs> positive. What? Uh, yeah. The, the last three years, what's the most positive thing you think we can take out of the last three years? Well, first and foremost, I think the most positive thing, I mean, obviously it is a very negative thing when you look at it from, you know, kind of the, uh, the depths of this whole pandemic and everything. It's everything's it's fear mongering. There's a lot of um, division right now. And there is a lot of negative things about it, but you know, I always say that the sun's shining on the other side of the storm and, and that's where we're at right now. We have to take away the positives and there are a lot of positives. You know, I've been uh, fighting. I don't, I, I, per se, I don't like the word fighting, but I've been trying to educate the public and the masses on, on, you know, the corruption in the vaccine industry and big pharma and for over a decade and my dad before me. And so, you know, the people have really, the soil for truth is rich. And if anything out of this pandemic, a lot of people are awake to the truth. And, you know, when you oppress the people for so long, they have a yearning for the truth. And I think that's where we're at. You know, when I was thinking about that question, what's the the most positive thing that, that was really where I ended up as well. It, It finally, it's part of the conversation, you know, not, not, it's still nowhere near where we'd really want to see it, but at least this has driven it to the point where we're talking about it. You know, one of the things you just mentioned that this, the whole vaccine thing for you is not new, that this isn't just because of the COVID vaccine. You have been an advocate against vaccines for a long time. Uh, And then you said your, your, your father before that as well, you know, I have seen a lot of people, and honestly, I can say I'm one of them. I wasn't as educated on the whole vaccine thing as I should have been. I was kind of like, well, look, they're not that bad. You know, it's. It, 
I was against all the new vaccine. I mean, they, they, I think they're, you know, going to bring vaccines out for, I don't know, uh, freckles at some point. Just, it's just a vaccine for everything anymore. That was starting to get, it started to make me think more and more. But what I've seen now, and, and I'll say it myself, I would not have said I was an anti-vaxxer before. I, I wouldn't have said that. And mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of people say, well, you know what? Now I think I am. You know, I think you've pushed right. me right over the edge now. And now I start to mm-hmm. question all of this even more. And, and I think that's a good thing. Right. 100%. I mean, well, think about this. I mean, we did frontal lobotomies up to the 1950s, right? And there were a lot of doctors. A lot of yeah. doctors said that was a good thing. And a lot of people were behind it. You know, we have a lot of medications out there that people got behind, but they were causing death and astronomical problems and adverse reactions. And, and a lot of people were supporting those medications and they can they turn out bad. But the problem is we are gaslighting um, people that have major adverse reactions. We are ignoring them. We're trying to brush them off. And these people are helpless. And the problem is that these vaccine companies, they, they're immune to any lawsuits. We have to, you know, you basically have to sue the government if you, if you have an adverse reaction and only 1% of those injuries ever make it to the courts oh. and good luck. You're suing the, go- you're suing the government <laughs> yeah. if you have an injury. Yeah. And, and you know, what's really frustrating about suing the government? They're <laughs> using our money to beat us. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And so it's a, it's a, it's a corrupt, corrupt industry. And people need to know the history of vaccinations because anytime I get into this argument or not even an argument, it's really, I just, it's a, it's a, it's a more of a, just an education and experience. But I, anytime I get to this ar- or debate, it's always, what about polio? Well, what about polio? If we look at the word polio, it's poliomyelitis. It used to be called infantile paralysis, right? And so if you look at the word polio, polio means gray, myel is spine. And anytime you see the itis is inflammation. So we have inflammation of the gray matter of the spinal cord. And they would say, oh, it's a virus that's causing that virus. But, you know, if I were to give you arsenic or high amounts of lead, guess what that's going to target? It's going to target the gray matter of the spinal cord. And cause inflammation and so polio it's due to a toxicity it's never a some crazy virus and 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 that's what we need to look at and so scurvy as well was blamed on a virus till we proved oh my gosh it's a vitamin <laughs> c deficiency yeah right and so we if we look at the the history there's a really good book out there called the moth and the iron lung it was written by a medical historian talking about the history of polio and how it's due to toxicity not some uh, bad luck, you know, virus that is floating around and, and that's causing this virus. And so we need to look at history and, and going to COVID here, I'm afraid of who's going to write the history books and about the story, because are they going to tell the one sided story? Are they going to talk about the true, uh, manipulation of data and the fear mongering that's being pushed on the people? You know, wow. it, 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 <sighs> We, we wanted to start off with something positive, and I, I hate to go negative <laughs> so fast, but if I could say the biggest negative that I've taken out of this, or, or maybe it's not, maybe at least it opened my eyes, um, I, I'm shocked where the media ended up in this. I, you know, the whole First Amendment thing, Who it was the media that, that stood behind this. They had to. I mean, that, that was their thing. How did this change so fast? 
How did this whole thing about censorship well, and how, how did this shift so fast? I feel like I woke up one day well, and, and I had missed all this. Right. So going back to um, when I was in grad school, I listened to a lecture by Dr. Ron Paul in 2008 or 2009 lecturing about swine flu. And he was talking about the media, how they're weaponizing um you know, swine flu from a psychological standpoint, using the media, pushing fear mongering. And one of my great mentors, he's long gone, but Dr. Fred Barge, he said that fear is the fire that fuels the furnace of disease. And when we are weapon, you can weaponize the cold uh, by using the media from a psychological standpoint. And that's what they're essentially doing. That, and if you look back at even the Spanish flu, I have articles, a newspaper article that, that talk about the same thing. They were weaponizing the common cold by s- causing hysteria in the people. And that's what the media is doing. And they had a fear of death count constantly on, on the news. But going back to Dr. Ron Paul, he was talking about the swine flu, how they're, they're scaring people to, to coerce people into getting the vaccine. And he was saying, do not fall for their tactics. And I was like, man, I like this guy. And I ended up working on his, uh, voluntarily on his campaign trail. And I saw firsthand how corrupt both sides of the media are. And I was like, man, we are outnumbered here against the media. And if you look back at the founding fathers of this country, how they, they talked about the First Amendment and that how we need freedom of press. And they said that if we don't have freedom of press, we don't have freedom. I mean, it's, it's yeah, vitally right. important that we protect right. that First Amendment. <clears throat> yeah, so, and, wow. and, and then to go one step further on that, when we find out the, the media could care less about the First Amendment and they are that corrupt, and then you think, well, okay, but at least it was a good time in history because we have this other thing now. We have the social media where we control the narrative, which is what we thought, but it turns out that isn't right. the case either. No. I mean, you know, and that's the thing. When we, you know, early on in the pandemic, we had, well, actually it was in 20, 2019. So, you know, those that are like myself that have followed the vaccine narrative for a very long time, you know, I put on influenza va- uh, workshops and I talk about the manipulation of data with the national re- reporting of uh, the national vital reporting system from the CDC. It's a subdivision of the CDC. And they would talk about obviously all the data and the numbers. And I would talk about how they manipulate those numbers to, 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 to give the illusion that influenza is a, a bigger killer than what it really is. And I would break those down. and I'd say, listen, influenza numbers are combined with both bacterial and viral pneumonia. It's, it's 90% of the deaths are in the elderly. They have, comorbidities and they're on 13 plus medications yeah. they don't talk about that in the national body reporting system okay so did the flu cause a death or did they just have flu when they died i mean that's the, yeah, right. we have to look at the cause and so <clears throat> that's you know in again it's it's manipulation of data and there's so much of that corruption going on but going back to positive i know i know so, but yeah, it's good. There's, there's always good in it. And that's the thing. The sun's always shining on the other side of the storm. And, and, you know, and as a species, we always fear adversity, but it's that, you know, that's how we grow stronger when we face the head on. And, and that's where we're at. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You know, you mentioned a book, the, the moth and the iron lung. And I thought, boy, that sounds familiar, but I know I haven't read it yet. But one of my listeners recommended it to me. I went and looked. It's part of my Kindle list, one of the about 37 books on there I haven't gotten to yet. But it uh, sounds like it might be interesting. 
it was one of those books where I started reading, like, oh, I've heard about it. I just picked <laughs> it up. And this, yeah. I was just going to read a chapter. Next thing I know, I read it, I mean, to the wee hours of the night, and I had it read in almost 24 hours. It was one of those wow. books where I just couldn't put it down. Wow. It was just, yeah, it was just a, it was a phenomenal read, very well written, and it gives it gives the history. Another great book is Dissolving Illusions or Autoimmune Autoimmune Disorders and, and uh, Vaccinations and Autoimmunity by by Thomas Cowan. I mean, in, in, and there's a lot that we need to understand, and there's a lot that the masses right now need to be educated on, especially with virology. I mean, if you look at the word virus, the, the root word is it really is toxin or poison. And, you know, what we're, what we're being taught about virology is just there's a lot of um, there's a lot of flaws in what we're being taught. There's not a lot of hard facts. You know, I believe that science is observational and virology is there's a lot of flaws with it. I mean, we're being we're told that we're, we're sick because of bad genes or bad bad germs or that this disease is caused by a droplet. And, you know, I always like to say that they're using the illustration that blaming the disease on a droplet is like blaming the flies for the trash. It's just, <laughs> it doesn't make sense from a scientific, it's just bad science. And they're like, trust the science. Well, I can't trust the science. We need to question the science. Right. You know. Uh, so That's what science is all about, right? Yes. That's Amen. Right. Science should be questioned. It should be challenged. And that's the beauty of science. We, we have to, it comes from a humble position. And when anytime you hear that bumper sticker slogan that the science is settled, run to the hills, yeah. question it because it, science is never settled. And that's a, and I think, and I have four kids. I discourage, or I, I, I homeschool my children. And I think that is a discouraging statement to tell children science is settled. That is just a bumper sticker slogan to get the people to stop questioning it, especially with the vaccines. Like, oh, vaccines don't cause autism. That whole debate, it has a stigma around it. And, it, and people are so quick to say, well, vaccines don't cause autism. They, they, they debunk that. Well, what about the, the whistleblower, William Thompson from the CDC, that talks about how they are doctoring and tailoring studies to, to show desired outcomes that there's no correlation there between vaccines and autism? I mean, so we need to look at that and say, well, gosh, he's the head researcher for the uh, for the CDC, and he's a whistleblowing now. Maybe we should yeah. look into that, investigate that a little further. Yeah, yeah, you know, and so many areas we could we could apply that to. You know, if if we look at this this pandemic, and then we look at just some of the underlying facts. You're right; they they have so twisted the narrative on this. If you look at the fact that we also now know that. Only 12% of the population is metabolically healthy. Why aren't we talking about that? It, you know, could, right. it, could it be that if this was 1960 and this whatever it is showed, we wouldn't have even known it existed? Exactly. It, That's exactly right. But, but yet, you know, zero I, I, talk after three but, years. You know, in the very beginning, people like you, I, I know I was saying it. Why aren't we talking about getting people healthy right away? I mean, right away you started seeing, wait a right. minute, there's this commonality. First, the people are either old or they have the comorbidities and they're on multiple medications and their vitamin D level was 12. And th there were so many commonalities here there were so many ways we could have approached this to immediately start making it better. And yet we went down the road of mm -hmm. mandates, lockdowns. The only conclusion you could come to, these, the, the people doing this are not ignorant. They, they don't respond. When you try to you know, start a conversation about why are we doing this, you just get no response. These people aren't ignorant. Mm -hmm. 
then if, if they're not ignorant, this has to be planned. This has to be about right. control. 100%. And that's, you know, that's the thing. It's, you know, in one of my talks, I said, I was given to the city council, I said, you know, do you have the eyesight of an eagle or the vision of a clam? You know, it's like, because this whole thing is, is not about health. If this was about health, then let's mandate exercise and good food choices. But it has, there's no talk about that. And they had one agenda, and that is to push the vaccine. That was it. I mean, we put out, I put out articles early on in, in 2020 about vitamin D deficiencies, how a lot of these, these deaths with influenza, has com, there's a common denominator and that's poor lifestyle choices and vitamin D deficiencies. And I got, I got banned off Facebook for 30 days for that post. And, <laughs> yeah. and then, and then, you know, and then the local hospitals here put out an article that says, listen, vitamin D level can be, it can cause problems if you take too much. It was like this fear article that was being pushed around. Again, there's a stigma around fear and like, don't talk about vitamin D. And then they said that there's nothing you can do naturally to fight this disease. And again, I think that is the worst, worst thing that anyone, any doctor, any clinician can say to a patient because that steals all hope. Right. And hope is the most powerful. And, it, and hope is the most powerful drug there is to a patient. So, and, and so doctors or anybody in the medical field, don't they realize that we have this thing we call the placebo effect for a reason. It's powerful. We know right. the placebo effect is a real thing. Well, it also works the other mm -hmm. way. When you start telling sure people does. there's nothing they can do, that has a huge psychological impact. 100%. 100%. And that's why I said this is psychological warfare on the people. This is spiritual warfare on the people. I mean, I would have patients come in with a common cold and they were panicking that they're going to end up in the hospital. And I'm just like, listen, you have to, A, just take a breath. Like, I, I didn't wear a mask the whole time during the pandemic. I saw 300 patients a week. I came in close proximity with every patient. I, vi I was in violation of all their CDC regulations <laughs> because I didn't comply. And I did not once get sick. And so how many people do I have to see? How many violations do I have to be in before the contagion claim is right. mathematically impossible. You know what I mean? And so I would, and so again, you're weaponizing it from a psychological standpoint. And yes, you are weaponizing the common cold. And if you look at all the, my microbiology textbooks and the physiological pathological textbooks prior to 2020, it says coronaviruses are just a common cold. And so what we're, we are changing, rerouting, history and they wanted to get a corona vaccine on the market forever because you know why they can create a whole buttload of them and <laughs> yeah. it's going to be billions of dollars of profit you know absolutely you know one of the things when you start down the you know conspiracy theory road you start to think well is it really you know all about depopulation and control and that seems so out there and but it, but if nothing else just look at it as a big money grab. You don't you don't have to go too deep into, you know, the the really really big picture although you probably should. But even if you won't do that, just look at this as nothing more than a money grab. You know, they just saw a way to to make a whole bunch of money. And and isn't that enough to get you to fight back against this? Right. Right. I mean, their 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 goal is to get this vaccine on the child um, who's oh. vaccine schedule? Oh. So once they do, because once they do that, mm -hmm. and they already have, basically, then they have the immunity. 
from the 1986 Vaccine Act, you know, the Compensation Act. Right. And that was passed in 86. And so once they have that, then they got it on the childhood schedule, then it's game over. Because to get that off the childhood schedule, like, oh, that's almost impossible. Well, and, and so and, that's why we need to be. Right. Think about how the numbers go up once they get it on that childhood schedule. How many people just give in? And, and okay, I guess we're, right. the, the number of people vaccinated will go through the roof if they get that. Well, how many people wouldn't even know the difference that they added it to? to the that too. A lot of women yeah. wouldn't even know the difference. Right. <laughs> yes. Right. So, and that's the thing. So we need to be educated and it's good to have informed consent. But the problem is you go to the pediatrician's office, you're not getting informed consent on these vaccines. In fact, they get very defensive if you even bring something up or question it at all. And it's, and, and they use fear. Like, you know, like when we had a baby, we didn't, vaccinate any any use any vaccines at all we didn't do hepatitis b we didn't do vitamin k we didn't do any of that <laughs> right and they were they were like your baby's gonna die if you don't take vitamin k and i'm like whoa slow down <laughs> i'm like i'm like you know you know fear is, is not consent and you know it's you're coercing us and you're trying to attack us when we're at our most vulnerable state here we just had a newborn exactly and you know i i'm very you know, I'm like, you know that? And I had to sit down with the nurse and I talked to her and it was like an hour and a half conversation. She left that conversation just like dumbfounded. Like, wow. you know, she was coming at me in, in arms about the vitamin K and I just educated her on vitamin K and she just, she's like, I had no idea. You know, at first we had to get past her talking points for the yeah, first right. 30 minutes of the conversation. <laughs> right. Yeah. But then I started asking her some questions about the black label on the vitamin K and all these other, you know, but that being said, we just need the, we have truth on our side. We have, you know, that's the good thing we need to, to to realize. You know, I believe God's on our side. We have truth on our side. We have true science on our side. We don't have tobacco science on our side. I mean, these people are, you know, the tobacco science. You know, this is it's just a modern day tobacco science, right. and this is what it is. If we look at if we look at true immunology and look at physiology and how God made the body, I mean, we don't need these vaccines. They're, look at autoimmune um, rises. We have a massive over 10,000% increase in autoimmune, 10,000% increase in neurological developmental do- disorders, delays, degeneration, I mean, demyelination. We have all these things that are, that are rising at an astronomical rate. And then the elephant in the room is, well, what's causing it? And the big pharma and the medical industry and the allopathic industry says, well, we don't know. I'm like, well, there's a... You know, and my, and that's why they look at me as a threat because I have, I have done the research. I have done the homework and how these vaccinations are causing and entering into the nervous system because they are bypassing the way God made the immune system and they're causing the wrong kind of immune response. I mean, we look at, you know, if you look at the ACIP and the CDC and and what they, how they explain the bio um, physiology or the biomechanics of these vaccines and how they work. They say it takes two weeks for your body to create the immune response that they're looking for. And they, they deny the fact that there is a absolutely ex, uh, an explosion of an immunoglobulin response immediately after a vaccination, but it's not the one they're looking for. And so that tells you right there, you're setting the stage for autoimmune disorders and problems down the road. And they don't want to admit that. You know, it, it, without getting too deep into the, is this a kind of a scheme to depopulate? And if it is, why do they want to depopulate? Without going too deep down that road, we were talking about books earlier. Have you read the book, The End of the World is Just the Beginning? I have not. Go check that out. 
it, when I read this book, I, when I was reading it, this, this was kind of bizarre because he has some pretty out there theories about what's happening in the world right now. And when I read them, they're, they're really out there. But boy, I, while I was reading the book, I'm like convinced, oh, this guy's got this figured out. And then later on, I'd think back, wow, that's kind of a crazy thought. I've, it, you know, most of what everybody's telling us about population is that there are just too many people, right? That whole, we, we just, we're having mm-hmm. too many people and the world can't handle it. And we've been hearing that for a long time. This guy really is saying the opposite, that we are about mm-hmm. to see worldwide issues because we don't have enough people. He's, his claim, right. I've heard that before. His claim is that, you know, after World War II, the, the U.S. Navy was so powerful, we built this powerful Navy that we were able to become the, the worldwide police of the ocean, and it, it allowed us to create this incredibly complex logistical system where we ship stuff all over the world. Like we ship a part from one country to another to have one piece put on it, ship to another country to have something else done to it. And we've created this really complex system where, where we have all this worldwide trade and it's possible because we protected the oceans. Otherwise pirates would just steal all this stuff. Now what they're claiming Mm -hmm. is, we're running out of enough people to keep that system going. And because of it, that that will collapse and we will go back to each country for the most part is going to have to figure out how to live with its own resources. And we won't be doing global worldwide trading anymore. The good news that there's at least a positive message out of the book is if you looked at all the countries in the world and and said, if if I had, where would I want to live if I had to depend on the resources available? It would be right here, right in this country. We're really well set up for this if that turns out to be true. But isn't that kind of a wild, I mean, I never thought about it that way. There's not going to be enough of us right. to keep and, this system going. And I've heard that before, and I don't doubt that. I mean, I mean, I, I really don't. And, it, you know, if you look at even the, I think it was an ambassador for France or for the French government back in the day in the 80s, he talked about that the future governments um, will have to focus on population as number one priority. And they keep pushing, hitting the drum that we the, the world is overpopulated. I mean, look at Mr. Gates here. I mean, he, he's been talking about it too and how... You know, it's like he'll, he does these TED Talks and he, and he thinks he's fooling the people saying, oh, well, you know, healthier people re- reproduce less and we can get that, <laughs> we, can lower the po- we can lower the population by, you know, y- using vaccines. I'm just like, dude, do you think you're fooling us? I mean, it's be. really, it's, yeah, like he, he's, it's an insult oh, to our intelligence, you know, really. It is. Like one plus one equals zero? Come on. <laughs> yes, Right. I'm like, you know, so it's just, it's comical at this point. And now, you know, the, I raise chickens and I'm, I'm glad that my chickens weren't being too loud. I heard them crowing back there, but you know, the, we, you know, we, we have a, a, an acreage and we're producing our own food here. And, and, you know, Gates is, he's invested into the egg industry, the, um, you know, in 2013 and yeah. now we're having some egg shortage and he's the largest landowner in the nation. And, you know, like, you know, I just kind of wish he would just leave us alone and, <laughs> and stop trying, trying yeah. to be, 
you know, he, he likes to say he's a philanthropist. I'm like, dude, you're just a tyrant. Leave us right. alone. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, they, so. By the way, anyway. if you want to bring your chickens on, that's fine. We love chickens on this show. Yeah. Well, good. Yeah. I got chickens and I got four. I got, I got four little spider monkeys at home. My my kiddos, I call them spider monkeys. Yeah, there you fun. go. Um, and, yeah. You know, you bring that up, having chickens and some acreage. And, uh, you know, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, I, I never thought I there would come a day where I was saving heirloom seeds just in case. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm really still kind right. of shocked that that's something I do. And... Then I start to think, will there really come a time where I need this? I mean, start to think about that. You know, it's nice to say, well, sure, I've got a garden. I've got heirloom seeds. I save my seeds to make sure I can grow my own food. But but am I really thinking I'm going to need that? Am I really thinking that in this country, there's going to come a day where my food's going to have to come from my garden? Right. Now it comes from my garden because I I want it to, but... You know, I, I don't you know, have to depend on it, but it, it's hard to believe we're even thinking that way, isn't it? So, hundred percent. I don't like thinking like that, but I mean, I am thinking that way. You know, and I—that's the reason why we bought, um, we bought an acreage. You know, I got—I uh, just harvested roughly, I don't know, um, close to a hundred pounds of honey just this year. Awesome. I got, I got. Uh, I inoculated 40 logs for mushrooms. I got chickens, you know, same thing. I feel like we're going to come to the point where we have victory gardens again, like they did in World War II, where the people are going to have to grow their own foods. So if we go back to 2020, spring of 2020, we know what was going on in the world. Um, Lockdowns, nothing to go do. I came on the air and I said, hey, you know, remember those victory garden things? Maybe we should bring that back. And I spent that spring tearing out most of my lawn by hand and starting a garden. <laughs> and now, I mean, my neighbors are, you know, refer to it as a mini farm now. Um, one of my favorite guests on the show, Joel Salatin, was just with us a couple weeks ago. Um, oh, yeah, oh Joel's, my goodness. you got to be kidding me. I, no, Joel's been. I love uh, that guy. <laughs> me too. Isn't he incredible? Joel's been a pretty regular guest. I just of ours. read. Oh, I just uh, read his book. You can farm. Oh, isn't so that awesome? It was so. It's so inspiring. You know, like so inspiring. Yes, uh, a couple you other, can farm is one of my favorite all time books. Yeah, a couple other. Uh, have you ever read his book, Folks? This ain't normal. That's his newest one, right? Uh, you know, I, I think it's, it's not new. that new. That one's been around a long time, but it may be newer. He's he's been writing books a long yeah, time. I, I, yeah, he, I um, I have I I read you can farm and I read the other one the the pig one. Oh yeah, um, the the pigness of pig. pigs. Yeah. He, yes, the pigness of pigs. Yep, there yeah, there you go. Yeah, but I love him. Yeah, you, he's like the USDA of um, what is it? Aggravation. Oh yeah. He's a yeah. He, he like he's he's a great guy and smart guy and just a wealth of knowledge. And going back to homesteading, I mean, there's I've learned real quick. I mean that. You know, homesteading and the small farm, you know, is is crucial that we pass that education on to our young ones because it's a lost art. I mean, I'm, you know, I I live in the middle of the woods and I we go around and and we have, you know, today's technology is nice, but I'll take a picture of 
leaves or different plants and my phone tells me what it is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we research it. Like, oh my God. <laughs> yes, I have that app. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, it's so, it's, it's, it, yeah, it's a great app. It's it's a great app and it's it's great for homeschooling purposes and educational purposes, but you learn so much. It, you know, I was cutting up, I got a hedge trimmer and I was cutting up these tr- branches of my property uh, on my driveway and I realized they had all these little berries on them. I'm like, oh my goodness, what are these berries? And right. I, and uh, I took my, took my phone out, took a picture of it. And I'm like, oh, they're autumn berries. And, and so I started researching these autumn berries. And they talk about how, you know, they're superfood. And, you know, lycopene is, is an antioxidant that's great for the prostate. And they talk about, well, tomatoes are high in lycopene. Well, these little berries, one berry has 17 times the amount of lycopene <laughs> than, a, than, a, than a tomato. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so my kids are like, guys, let's go harvest. We harvested right. like Ziploc bags full of these berries. How cool. And so. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I love that. We, you know, we started down the health road about eight years ago for, for drivers specifically because it's such an unhealthy population and we kind of knew that world. And so we started helping drivers figure out how to take a healthier food supply with them. That, that's the biggest challenge. The whole, everything about this career is just unhealthy, everything. I mean, I can't think of many careers that are as unhealthy as, as this one in so many ways. And the one big issue was the, the quality of the food because we know if we're going to get somebody healthy, that's where it has to start. And it, it was almost like these yeah. guys and, and women spend 90% of their time in food deserts. And we thought, how do we fix this? You know, it's, it's not convenient to just tell them drive over to Whole Foods. You know, that's not going to happen. Right. We actually started teaching them first how to ferment vegetables. Well, here's a way we can take, you know, vegetables on the road with us. And, you know, they don't need refrigeration and they'll stay fresh. And they're even better than, you know, a fresh vegetable. We got probiotics and more nutrients released. So we we thought it was, you know, crazy, but we have truck drivers fermenting vegetables. Then we learned about pressure canning. We started pressure canning meat. Now we can control their almost their entire food supply when they leave the house. We've taught them how to pressure can meat or whole meals, you know, recipes in a jar. And once you do this, this stuff no longer needs refrigeration. You can take as much yeah, of this on, awesome. on the truck as you want. And now it turns out, aren't those really good skills to have right now anyway? Amen. Hundred percent. I mean, that's the way they used to do it back in the day for refrigeration. Yeah. I mean, they used to yeah. can things, and you know, my grandma had the same thing. Had all you go to her basement, she had nothing but canned goods. Um, she would can things, and she, you know, and that's. So I think that's a great thing you're doing for the truckers. I mean, that's a much needed thing. I mean, I, you know, you make it a valid point. I mean, they sit behind that wheel for how many hours a day? You know, and as a chiropractor, I always say that sitting to your spine is a lot like sugar to your teeth. Yeah. And so they're not yeah. moving. That's, I mean, that's the only thing is, I mean, you're covering the one pillar of health, which is the food. Um, and that is vitally important. We need to obviously consume good foods and not just eat on the run or the gas station foods. I mean, I, when I, when we travel, same thing, it's like, I, I, you know, I almost, that's the one thing, the difficult thing about traveling is eating good foods and eating healthy unless you prepared all your meals ahead of time, which I'm glad that you're, you're promoting that the truckers because it's a much needed thing for them to do. Yeah. We had uh, another regular guest, um, uh, Dr. Davis from we belly and super gut. Um, He's been developing these, you know, very specific strains of bacteria 
um, that they've proven have benefits. You know, like it, this specific strain of L. ruteri that actually increases oxytocin levels. I mean, it's pretty well documented. Mm. And the, the thing is, you know, we were always told, well, yogurt's health food. Well, yogurt in this country is just garbage dessert. I mean, there's nothing healthy about it. Um, it, it and, what he, and what he talks about is, well, it, that doesn't mean that yogurt isn't healthy. It could have been. And if you go back to the way they used to do this, you know, commercial yogurt is, is cultured for like two to four hours. That's it. Get it in, get it out, call it yogurt. Um, these recipes that, that we're, we have truck drivers making yogurt at home now, um, it, it's cultured for 40 hours. The, the bacteria yeah. double multiple times, like uh, almost 20 times. So you actually get to levels of bacteria that can have an impact. But then it's, it's this really specific strains that he's been working with. Um, don't you think the world could use a little more oxytocin right now? I do. My only concern, oxytocin can decrease memory. That's the only thing, but there are benefits, but it's, you know, one of those things where, again, I love that we are talking about this and talking about obviously bacteria in the gut. Uh, I like to say that, you know, all disease starts in the spine, but also in the gut. <laughs> and, there you, you know, go. It, Right, but good bacteria is essential, and we need good bacteria, and there's byproducts of these bacteria that's, that's essential for our health. I mean, vitamin K2 is produced in the gut. Serotonin is produced in the gut. And, you know, we need, we need good bacteria. And, you know, I love what you said about yogurt. It is just garbage dessert. I mean, it's usually fully it's, – it's extremely high in sugar. It's yeah. a dead food, essentially, because the dairy is so highly processed and pasteurized that it becomes a dead food, and then we try to – culture of a good bacteria out of it and most are probiotics on the market are from grain based or <laughs> right. soy based right you know and dairy based and it's not you know getting the bacteria from you know soil based types of probiotics are absolutely essential like fermenting your vegetables yes that is huge there's a, there's a great book out there have you heard of art of fermentation oh yeah cats uh, what, what's his yeah that's a, that, that's Ezra like cats a, i think is that his name yeah that's a a phenomenal book yeah, for fermenting food. I mean, yeah, so that's, <clears throat> I have that book at home and it's just a phenomenal read. So if you want to get into that, people are like, well, what probiotics? I just point into that. Ferment, start fermenting your foods and that's where you're going to get the best, the oh. best bacteria. Hey, I wanted to go mm -hmm. back to something. I'm glad you brought up the, you know, fermentation process. So your honey, I, um, I, I, I yes. kind of, we've been talking about fermenting vegetables forever. We do some limited fermentation of fruits. Um, we're, we've talked about, kind of played around with fermenting meat and fish. Um, my garden, um, I, I never thought I would be so into this garden like I am now, but I absolutely love it. It's one of my favorite things. And I did start bringing on guests. We brought on Joel Salatin and uh, uh, Forrest Pritchard. If you're looking for another, he's written a, a couple of good books on this. Really similar story to Joel Salatin. In fact, they know each other. Um, Forrest kind of trained under Joel, and their farms aren't that far away from each other in Virginia. Um, Gabe Brown wrote a really good book, uh, Dirt to Soil. Um, the, the company Azure Standard, they're actually right here locally for us. Um, we've had the founder on the show. They do... A lot of this kind of stuff. But this year, I mean, I, I followed their advice about how you really, really build this living soil. 
you know, and, and have a totally mm. regenerative garden where you don't buy anything. You know, you're, you're not bringing in fertilizers mm. or even compost, doing all my own composting. Well, it worked. This year, I ended up with like 75 pounds of hot peppers. What do you do with 75 wow. pounds of hot peppers? Like six different varieties. And I, I was, I was you know, I was fermenting them. I was canning them. I was just, what can I, I was giving them away. What can I do with all these? So I started looking for ideas. And I, I actually came across, you know, fermenting garlic in honey. Just putting garlic mm -hmm. right straight into honey and fermenting it that way. And I thought, well, could mm -hmm. you do that with peppers? And I actually found some people who were doing it. It's not, not all that common. So this is so cool. It's like I've created a, I, I'm a big foodie. I love to cook. And it, it's like we've created this whole new flavor profile. And really all you do is you chop up the peppers or slice them or whatever you want, pack them into a jar, then just cover them with honey. You know, just pour good raw honey, pour it in there, let it work its way down through and just keep working it in until the jar's full. Leave it on the counter. And within 48 hours, it pulls all of the moisture out of the peppers. They almost look like they've been dehydrated. And the honey gets really thin, like you can pour it, and it loses most of its sweetness. The fermentation process is yeah. using up the sugars and the heat from the peppers. So you, it's like this flavor profile that's hard to describe. But it's pretty incredible. I'm, I'm making multiple versions of you know, what we're calling hot honey. Um, one of them, uh, that whole idea of the, the fire cider where you take things like garlic and turmeric and horseradish and hot peppers and you infuse it into apple cider vinegar. It's like a, a tonic. You take a shot of it, good for your immune system. Um, we thought, why not put all that stuff into honey? And we did. And then we took it wow. another step further and we put it into manuka honey. Yes. And we do a shot of that in the morning. Well, phenomenal. I'm going to, I have 30 jars of honey in my basement. I'm oh, going to go down and start this. going around with that. Yeah, you got to try I'm going to try that. And I want and I want to, I want to just give a shine of light on the honey since we're talking about it, because <clears throat> I am very impulsive in a lot of things. And <laughs> my wife, um, I just, I came down and said, Hey honey, uh, I just ordered a bunch of bees. Oh, no pun like, intended, what? right? Yeah. Right. 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 And I, and I, and I, yeah, right. <laughs> and I, uh, and I knew nothing about beekeeping. Oh boy. And right? I just, so I got a, I got a nook and I had a patient of mine and she's like, Hey, I'll help you. Some great. So she showed up and we got the bees and she helped me get an implement. And, and I was blown away. I, I, I found myself going up to the hive and just watching the bring in the pollen. And I, it was so much fun, but I, I realized though, like a lot of the beekeepers here, there's a bee, bee club and they're like, you've got to have these mite strips in your hive and, and, or you're going to have mite problems. And I'm like, um, so I started looking into that, the chemical mite strips that they put in these hives. Right. And, and I was, and I'm like, um, I don't know if I want to do that. And so then I reached out to, um, actually I did a funny bee video 
and I post on my social media and I had all these beekeepers reach out to me and one has a bee school. She's like, I do all things all natural. And she's like very much like mine. So she educated me on, on these mice strips that they're using. Yeah. And so even my neighbor, he has, he has bees and what they'll do is put these chemical mice strips inside the hive and it off gases inside the hive. And you're not even supposed to harvest the honey for 12 months after that. What? And I'm like, uh, I don't, got to be yeah. And I'm like, I don't me. even, Oh, <laughs> no, so I said I, I don't want any of that. So even if you get like local organic honey, you got to be like, are you using the mice strips, <sighs> right? And you, so I like I'm not using any of that. I use my honey is pure. It's just 100 yeah. percent like the way God made it. The hive, like I'll use essential oils to control the mites, and then not right. only that, but you can get like what they call a small a small cell production honey that you don't even and the mites it, it, they it doesn't even the mites don't even target the bees, right? And that's another thing you can, and so. That's it's so so it's vitally important that you know where you're getting your honey. And if you buy store bought honey, you know that's a dead food because the the honey that's in the hive naturally is already pasteurized. The bees pasteurize the honey itself, clean it, and they set and they close it up in the, in the comb. And if you get honey that's bought in the store, the the, the commercial people all they they double pasteurize it. Yeah. So they just basically ki- they kill the honey and they put it on the shelf. Well, and that's the one thing we tell people. If you're going to make this hot honey, it has to be raw honey. You can't just grab any honey off the shelf. It won't ferment. Yes. Well, I'm going to try that. So the the hot peppers and the garlic, that sounds amazing. So we end up getting, if we just do hot pepper, you can infuse all kinds of things into the honey, but the, the peppers are kind of the base. We end up with three products from this process. So now what I've been doing, I've, I've, I've made, you know, gal, I, now I'm up to making three gallon batches at a time. I mean, testing these recipes. And now I use big muslin bags. So I put all the peppers or the ingredients in these big muslin like drawstring bags and just submerge that into the honey. And then it does its thing, and you just pull the bag right out. Now you have this thin, pourable, hot honey with just these really unique flavors. But we also have these peppers that are kind of dehydrated and infused with honey now. And I've taken those peppers Mm -hmm. and just made a hot sauce out of them. You know, some vinegar, some garlic, some other things, blend a hot sauce. And it's got this crazy, unique just little bit of sweetness in the background, but these just really unique flavors. Or the other thing I've done, take those peppers, those chopped peppers after they've been through this, mix them into something like goat cheese. Oh, it's incredible. That sounds incredible. You're making me hungry here. I know. I know. <laughs> making myself hungry. Um, so... <laughs> Uh, I am looking, we are, we are coming up on the hour. I want to make sure we're, uh, we're respecting your time here. How are you doing for time? Yeah, I'm fine. I, you know, I'm, I got all the time in the world here, so we're good. Got it. Got it. Um, you know, one of the things, speaking of of kind of where we are today, getting back to that, it's, it's, it's so nice to kind of wander away from that topic. Sometimes there's so many other things I'd rather talk about, but we have to talk about this. We just do, and I, I keep telling right. people that. I, I say it as much as we hate to do this, as much as we'd like to ignore it, get back to You know, the, 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 the struggle here is, is all of us sitting here right now and a lot of the people listening, we know the things we should be doing to fix this. Just ourselves. We know to eat mm-hmm. right, to do. What's your uh, eat right, think right? You, you've got a great phrase. Yeah, so that I, love. I always say, no. 
Yeah, so I would say eat well, move well, think well, there pray well, go. relate well. It, you know, I'm I'm big on I'm big on the epigenetic model. Uh, you know, it's a wellness prevention model. You know, Benjamin Franklin said an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Yeah, and you know we, we need to va- you know we need to value our health before we get sick. There's a lot of great quotes out there. You know, a healthy man has a thousand dreams and oh, wishes, yeah, but a sick man only has one. That's one of my favorites. That is absolutely one of my favorites. Right. So it's it's a struggle sometimes right. because we we could all sit back and look at this and go, hey, you know what? We got this figured out. We know we should be saving some mm-hmm. seeds and we should have some chickens and we should be fermenting things. And it's tempting to just say, you know what? Let the world do its thing. I, I'm going to do mine. You know, I, I know how to, to, to make this all right for myself, but we can't do that. I mean, we, we've got to step up and talk about this. And as uncomfortable as it might be, I don't think anybody knows that more than you. Did you ever think that as a chiropractor from Omaha, you'd be targeted by the government? You know, I would have, the, the, the life change that happened within the last three years has been unbelievable. And no, I would have never thought that I would be, you know, sitting down having dinner with RFK Jr. and, and having these conversations and being in the media on a global level. You know, that's, things have absolutely gone bonkers for me. And it's really just, it's crazy. And again, uh, the only reason why my name got in the media is because <laughs> I had the conviction to, to speak out yes, on a topic that was, you know, that's it. You know, and Thomas Jefferson said one man with courage is a majority. And I just happened to see massive amount of manipulation of data. Like I've been following for over a decade and COVID was just the how do you say it? Um, it was a tip of the iceberg. It, it, it was all leading up to this moment. And I had to speak out and, and, you know, in, in 2019, I put on a seminar in the fall of 2019 and I said, something big is coming our way. I talked about the manipulation of data. I talked about the propaganda. I talked about the ACIP, how they stated that the vaccine summit that they can't, they, they stated that they can't force vaccinate, but they can force compliance. So they were drawing out this plan uh, in years in advance prior to COVID. And COVID was just a Trojan horse to implement a lot of this um, draconian type legislation and regulations and mandates. Yeah, it, it sure was. You know, I know you were were way ahead of the curve on this. We We felt like we were pretty early in figuring out what was really going on with this. Um, and yet, you know, it, it, I'm sure you've been thinking, it, it just you want the real truth to come out. You, you just want people to see what's really happening. And doesn't it seem like it's, it's, it's coming out now? It has been for some time, but doesn't it seem really frustrating? It, it, it's coming out. It's like nobody's paying attention to it. Right. It's, you know, and I'm not going to, and that's the thing. It is a burden to carry. It's been a burden for many years. And I'm going to tell you, it's, it's a little bit more refreshing now because the soil for truth is rich. People are waking up to it there. And you said that there's not that stigma around the, the vaccine topic. People are talking about it. It's in conversation. And that's a, it's to me, that's so refreshing because before, you know, you bring up vaccines and people don't even oh, talk about it. Right Now it's like now, now, now we're, we're having conversations at least about it. And, and it, it's, and it's just, it's a, it's a breath of fresh air because before, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I prayed, Lord, shine the light on this whole vaccine topic. 
and you know and and i feel like he's answering that prayer but it is it is a burden it is a um it's a heavy weight to carry and especially when you know children are involved when children are having problems that are directly correlated to the vaccine and then the the allopathic world um, or the big farm and the medical establishment they just turn a blind eye to it and they don't recognize it and then the parents they search and search and search so they find people like me and you know then they get some answers and and then it's like what do you do well this is your option you know you're the, the damage has unfortunately already been done in most cases and now you have to you know try to go against the the, the government for injuries and but again you know and and I don't like to be doom and gloom. I, I believe that, you know, the body can heal anything in an instant. I do believe that, you know, God can heal anything in an instant. And I believe, and I know full well that the body's ability to heal itself is far greater than our government has permitted us to believe. And we need to, to trust that, trust the system. Our body is designed to be well. Our body is designed to heal and self-regulate. And, you know, going back to the epigenetic model, you know, we can blame disease on one to 2% of pathology on genes, but if it's not a genetic type pathology, it's lifestyle acquired. Um, and it always goes back to toxicity and deficiency. And if we can just educate the masses on the, you know, the harmful effects of, you know, these vaccinations, I, I think it it'll, will be better off. You know, I, I go back to early, well, actually late 2019, one of the things that I've been doing for years, and I, I don't talk about it a lot, didn't make a big deal about it, but I, I have have like alerts set up with the CDC websites and a couple others. I, I kind of monitor pathogens around the world. I, what's going on with this stuff? You know, there, there's always something somebody's watching. We almost never hear about this stuff. And... It, like I said, I've been doing that for years. So when this, this coronavirus thing came up, I, I had warnings of this early, much earlier than anybody was talking about it in the news. And I was just kind of talking about it on the air saying, hey, you know, and it, it's happened before. It's some pathogen they're watching and it just kind of fizzles out. Nothing really happens. But this one obviously um, was a different matter. But think back to what they were, you know, telling us in the beginning, how horrendous this was and people were dying everywhere. And then we started to learn that, you know, if your metabolism was unhealthy, that was a real problem. And I started looking at our tribe. The, the incidence of diabetes in truck drivers is double the national average. Can you believe that? Double. I, I believe it. That is right. horrendous. So I'm looking yep. at that and saying, wait a minute. These guys are horribly unhealthy, these truck drivers. I mean, that's what we've been fighting for years. We haven't even scratched the surface on this yet. There's three and a half million truck drivers in the country. And we're about the only one doing this. And I started thinking, these guys are really unhealthy. They're not locked up at home. They're all still working and they are driving in and out of hot zones all the time. Are we going to see like mass extinction of truck drivers? That, that's what we were thinking in the beginning. Mm. It never materialized. Right. Yep. If anybody right. should have, you know, there's another population nobody ever seems to talk about that should have been decimated by this. If everything they said was true. What about all these homeless people? Why aren't they just lying dead on the sidewalks? Exactly right. And I would tell patients too: shut your TV off. Would you even know there's a, a pandemic right. if you shut your TV off? 
You know, that's <laughs> the thing. And again, the, you know, in the death counts, the deaths were literally, and I believe, top-down protocol, failures of top-down protocols right. in the hospital. I mean, we put on, and that's the, and that to me, fam, I know personally families that um, lost a family member due to the protocols in the hospitals. It wasn't COVID that killed them, we, it was the protocols. And I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I'm just saying, you know, and I think that they, there should be, um, they need to take that to court. There needs to be um, monetary uh, rewards for their loss. And I think it's absolutely criminal what happened with these, uh, these families and the protocols. You know, we have a, a kind of a personal story here with the show. Um, we had um, somebody who actually became a very good friend of mine and a business partner in a sense. He, um, years and years back, he was new to the industry and started, you know, he came to some of our, our events and really got involved in what we were doing and came a big, big part of it. Um, so much so that he built kind of his own little trucking company uh, with very little experience in the industry. And I, I kind of partnered with him. We had an official partnership where I was helping him put drivers into the truck and train them. Um, so, you know, we became pretty close over the years. And his wife called me one week and she said, Kevin, I don't know what to do. Um, both David and I got COVID. And this is early when we, you know, still, you know, they were putting people in hospitals and on respirators. And um, we had already been working with a chiropractor who put together a nice um, kind of little kit, kind of like an anti-COVID kit with stuff that worked. And he said, here, just just have this. If you start to notice symptoms, here's the protocol. So I, I told her, I said, I've got a protocol for you. I'm going to send it out. Just just start taking this. You'll be fine. Don't worry about it. So like a week later, she calls me and, and she said, Kevin, she said, I don't know what to do. David's in the emergency room. And I said, what happened? And she mm. said, you know, he really didn't want to take the, the stuff you sent. He, she said, I took it and I, I feel fantastic. She said, he went downhill and he's in the emergency room. And I said, Rose, you got to get him out of there. Don't let them admit him. Mm. And she called me back while we were on the phone, they admitted him. And I just kept, she kept saying, what can we do? And I said, Rose, you have got to do everything you can possibly do to get him out of there. And I said, you've got to get him started on the stuff we sent. And she said, they won't let it in the hospital. And I, I I was so, I, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to tell her to get him. He died. They put him on a ventilator and he died. Right. Right. And if you look at the failed uh, history, the track record of remdesivir, I mean, it was used for other ailments prior to 2020, and it got pulled off the market for causing renal failure. And, you know, then they implemented it in the fall of 2020, a failed drug got implemented. That should be talked about. I mean, that should be investigated. Who implemented that drug knowing full well the track record shows renal failure? I mean, the NIH even put out a warning on the drug because it talked about how it caused renal failure. And we just implemented a protocol, and all of a sudden we see the death count rise in the hospitals. I mean, I think there's, there should also be an investigation into the those that went into the hospital. They the, Those numbers um, are going to be higher in the death count. I mean, I have patients that had COVID, and they were pretty severe, and they just stayed at home. They're like, oh, my oxygen levels dipped down to – you know, 50%. I stayed home and I just got better on my own. I'm like, well, that's good. I mean, that's, <laughs> right. you know, but it, it, again, if you you push the hysteria with the media and the fear mongering and the, these faulty protocols that are pushed by administrative physicians who aren't really the true physicians. 
um, that's when you're going to have a recipe for, for disaster. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, again, I want to, uh, be aware of your time here, Lauren, I want to give you a chance to jump in before we do that though, Dr. Tapper, if, if you, it seems to me like we have two sides kind of really paying attention and hyper-focused on this. There, there's the other side that is still crazy talking about more shots and more vaccines and, and, no matter how much evidence they see, they just seem to keep going down that path. And then we have, you know, the people on this side of the argument are frustrated and screaming. It seems like there's an awful lot of people in the middle who just still have their head in the sand. Um, and I, I think, right. you know, it's kind of like a, a, a campaign. You don't really have to go after your tribe. You've already got them. We've got to figure out how we go after the people who have their head in the sand. And and so mm-hmm. from, from your perspective, and I, I know you're, I can't think of anybody who's more involved in this than you've been for so long. If you, if you were talking to people that, that have just kind of ignored this for as much as they can, what would you tell them to do to get started right now? Like what kind of resources, what are are there documentaries you would want them to see or books you would want them to read or websites you want them to go to? What can it give us like, I don't know the top three things somebody should do if they want to become informed on this. Right. So I, I, uh, Andrew Wakefield out, put out a great documentary. Um, I believe it was in 2020, um, released. It's called 1986theact.com. You go to 1986theact.com. You can watch his documentary. It's a phenomenal film. Uh, it's very well, uh, done for like educational purposes. I mean, that's what the documentary is there for. Uh, so that's a phenomenal, uh, movie. I think it's important to watch Vax and Vax 2. I know a lot of people like, oh, they, the media try to slander those movies, but that's of about William Thompson, the head researchers. Right. Um, you know, go to NVIC.org. That's a really good one. Getting a book called Dissolving Illusions. That's a really good book. I know I mentioned Moth and the Iron Lung. Uh, that's a great book as well. And that's a good starting point. There's also a really good documentary out there called realimmunity.org. That's another phenomenal documentary. They actually pulled it offline for a while, then they finally got back on. And if you want to, you can watch our documentary. Our documentary is called The Time Is Now. Um, dot movie, not dot com. Dot movie. The Time Is Now. Dot movie. Uh, you can watch our documentary that we released and kind of just hear our story and what happened and and. Uh, we have, you know, a lot of great doctors in that film and some testimonials as well. Um, but that's that's a starting point. I think that, you know, getting people to to see this side of the story, um, a you need you need testimonials and you need uh, and then you need to be educated for uh, you know and have good hard resources because once you get past the emotional side of things and the testimonial side of things and your 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 mind is open to learning more, that's when you need to be educated. And I think that's where the 1986theact.com comes in, gives you a lot of good nuggets on educational purposes about the act that was passed in '86, also about um, just the 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 side of vaccines that we need to be educated on. Excellent. I love that. Lauren, jump Great in. You know, that was that was literally my top question was, you know, you mentioned that, you know, we have the truth available to us. And I was going to ask you what resources that you would recommend, because I love that you mentioned the moth and the iron lung. And I know that's just specifically for um, the Spanish flu, was it? Or polio. Polio. Oh, polio, polio, yeah. polio, yeah. Polio. Polio. And so I was wondering how I could, you know, find information to get deep on each one of them. And then if 
for instance, I was at um, my family's, like one of the family members had a baby shower and there were a bunch of kids there. And the conversation of vaccines came up naturally these days. It does, which is great. I, I agree. That is the silver lining. I think from everything that's gone on in the past three years is that people are starting to ask questions um, for the first time. And I, I was wondering, you know, other than, I don't know, a lot of parents or mothers, I should say specifically, are wondering if there are certain vaccines that are more important than others, if you had to do any at all, or if it's just all basically kind of, you know, falls into one category of, it's, you know, doesn't make sense, there's no need for it, yada, yada. Right. So that's a great question. I get that question a lot. And so I always, I always start, you know, they're trying to push vaccination in utero right now. So when the baby has a neurological problem in utero, they're like, see, it's genetic. Uh, but the pro- so let's just, so when the baby comes out, the first vaccination that they are exposed to is either vitamin K or hepatitis B within the first 12 hours, 12, to 18 hours of life. Hepatitis B is a sexually transmitted disease. There's really no need for it. You can pre-screen the mom for hepatitis B. Uh, and so it doesn't need to put the baby in hard way, harm's way. Okay. And so, the answer to your question simply, there's not a safe vaccine. And I, I will give you a 30-second rundown. I mentioned a little bit earlier, you know, vaccinations go against basically the, how the body was made, how it's designed to work from an immunological standpoint. When we vaccinate, we break the skin barrier. We inject the concoction into the body. What happens immediately is, is we get a antibody response known as a immunoglobulin E response. Okay, they'll they have the different names for them, teeters or antibodies, right? So you know what they're looking for is a teeter or an antibody a form of what we call immunoglobulin M. Immunoglobulin M is the first to respond in any let's say antigen viral bacterial response. So now. IgM doesn't get triggered until you have um, until two weeks after vaccination. And then what does occur though is IgE response and IgE is a form of inflammation. And they'll tell you that, oh, inflammation is a normal, um, normal process after vaccination at the injection site. Any inflammation though should be absolutely um, a contradiction to these vaccinations because if you have inflammation at all, we know that histamine is released in the body. When you have histamine that's released in the body, that opens up the blood-brain barrier or allows the blood-brain barrier to be permeable. And we know for a fact that these vaccinations, I don't care if you take, oh, they say, oh, we took out the, the methyl or the, you know, the, you know, um, uh, the, mercury. Took, yeah, the mercury, thank you. They, you know, they, they say they dropped the M off the methyl mercury and now they have ethyl mercury, which is more, um, you know, digestible in the body. It's less harmful, but either way, I don't want any mercury in my body. But even if you have aluminum adjuvants or MSG or formaldehyde in these vaccinations, and I don't, you know, the M, MDCK cell line from the dogs, I don't even want to get into mortal cell lines there. But if you inject into the body, those will bypass a blood-brain barrier. And that's how I, that's why I talk about how these vaccinations cause, um, you know, degeneration, demyelination, and other things like that, and disorders, delays. And so I don't believe there is a safe vaccine because the way they're administered, it goes against uh, physiological, immunological responses in the body. And not only that, um, if you look at uh, another case too is chickenpox. I mean, chickenpox... It's a benign issue. It's only a threat in the first three months of life. If we inject, uh, the, you know, a child with a chickenpox vaccine, um, 
and they get chicken, you know, they, they get a so-called artificial immunity to chickenpox. What happens then down the road is um, you're increasing their chances of getting a glioblastoma, which is the number one brain cancer in children. And look at the implementation of the chickenpox vaccine and the correlation to glioblastoma rise. There's an absolute huge rise in glioblastomas, and I do believe it's due to the chickenpox vaccination because if you have chickenpox naturally, you have a natural immunity to glioblastomas. Glioblastoma cancers are part of the chickenpox family, and if you have a natural immunity to chickenpox, then you have a natural immunity to glioblastomas. And so that's, you know, if you, if you sat down with some, uh, uh, you know, parents and they were debating on whether to vaccinate their child, and they were debating on whether to get the chickenpox vaccine. And if they knew that little tidbit, would they vaccinate? You've got a benign issue. Your kid's itchy for a week. And you have a lifelong immunity to chickenpox if you have it naturally. And you have a lifelong immunity to glioblastomas. Right? Wow. It, it doesn't, it's yeah. just it, once we educate the families on that, then they would, they would absolutely, obviously deny the chickenpox vaccine. And two, don't even get me started on autoimmune disorders. <laughs> and, it, I mean, yeah. and, and that, you know, because it, it, this is a massive, massive, massive issue. And that's why they, the media, the government, everybody is trying to slander me and voices like mine that become experts in this field because they're terrified of what we have to say. And it goes again, the, the George Martin quote, you know, when you cut out a man's tongue, you don't prove him a liar, but you are fearful of what he might say. You know, they're terrified of giving me a platform. They're terrified of me getting this information out to the people. And so. Speaking of platforms, it's, I don't know how you feel about it, but it's good to see you back on Twitter. (laughs) Yes. I never thought that would have happened. So I'm shocked. Um, I'm on there. You know, it's, uh, I lost about, I think a couple thousand followers since I was on, but I'm glad to, be on and uh you know but uh my wife's like you don't need it anyway it's just a waste of time (laughs) that's kind of why i said i'm not sure how you feel about it because so my my history with twitter in the beginning yeah i've been on social media honestly since like the late 80s i I, way 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 back when before aol was even around Mm Um, I was on social media back then. When Twitter came along, I just didn't get it. It it is probably because I can't say anything in 140 characters. My brain just doesn't work that way. Right. And it it never made any sense to me. I would sit there and get so frustrated. Like, what am I supposed to do with this? So it never felt like a serious business tool to me. And then when it did start Mm -hmm. to become one, because that's where everybody was, you know, there, there was good information there. There was good people to follow. The problem was we were already being censored on Facebook and YouTube um, because of the, a lot of the stuff we were talking about. And we realized what was happening on Twitter. So I've never really had a Twitter presence, N- never really been active on Twitter at all until about a month ago when Elon bought it. And I thought, OK, I'm going to give it a shot. I'm actually having a lot of fun on there right now. Uh, and there's a lot of good yeah. people, and it's good to see people coming back. And it's it's nice to know right. that that this platform with that big of a reach, maybe they're changing. Maybe he's going to be able to fix this. It's kind of exciting. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited. I I was convinced that I was never going to get back on Twitter. I mean, my account, every time you pull up Twitter, it said I was permanently deleted, <laughs> permanently banned. You know, that, and... 
I would create, you know, I created n- numerous accounts from different computers, different emails. Right. And once I logged in on my phone, once I logged in on my phone, it would be like, you're Ben Tapper. And then boom, <laughs> it would delete the account. Oh man. <laughs> wow. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So it's good to be back on. I'll, I'll bet. It's um, a step in the right direction. Yeah. One more thing. And, and, and then we'll let you get on with your day. Can I, can I, kind of ask you that as things progress and things happen, can we reach out to you and get you back once in a while? Oh, I would love that. I mean, yes, I know. Um, you know, I would love that. I think it's important too. I mean, we're, uh, you know, as we progress, we are in this lawsuit against the DNI, uh, with the children's health defense and, and RFK junior. Um, and so, um, we, you know, they were suing the TNI, the Trust News Initiative. And so I think it's important that the people know about that. And, you know, as we, you know, go against these industries that basically are trying to, uh, you know, violate our freedoms and liberties in regards to the First Amendment, I think it's important that people realize how important this case is. Uh, is it is a David versus Goliath scenario. Um, you yes. know, these are the most powerful people in the world. And, you know, we need to, uh, we need to get the people behind this case and, and let them know um, what we are fighting for and fighting against. What, what can we do as a tribe here to help support that? Well, I think it's, um, you know, <clears throat> lawsuits aren't cheap and lawsuits are uh, very expensive. And, you know, I know once we go to that discovery state, it's going to be highly, highly expensive. And so, I mean, I'm not asking for money. But no, if that's people fine. Feel obligated I, that's, to that's, donate. I'm asking how, how can we help? And I know we have a lot of people who will want to help and, and money is what makes yeah. things happen. Right. Money does. Um, it, it takes money to go against these people. And um, if you do feel obligated to donate, that'd be great. Um, and, you know, we are, and just getting the word out, telling people, sharing information, that's also just as important as anything else, just getting the word out. Uh, and letting people know what this case is about. And we are fighting for the people. This is a case of the people, by the people, and for the people. And, you know, I feel very thankful that I'm even in this lawsuit. Um, it's, you know, going back to, like, I'm just a small-town chiropractor <laughs> here that got spoke <laughs> out. Yeah. And, you know, and now, now I'm in this giant lawsuit in this case. And I'm very... Um, proud to be in it, but again, it's for it's for the liberties and the sovereignty and the freedoms of this country, and to protect the First Amendment, to protect the freedom of speech and the freedom of the press. Because what they did is they formed a group to silence anyone that goes against the narrative, and um, and so we need to to break that, and that's why this is an antitrust lawsuit. Yeah, I I want to talk to you more, you know, after, when we're off the air about how we can formally help support that because it's something I really believe in, and I think uh, a lot of people in our tribe would too. So we'll figure out how we can make that easy for people to follow along on that, you know, updates and and uh, if they. Uh, feel like it support that as well. One last thing I want to talk about, kind of sort of off topic, you know, we've really been focused on COVID and the vaccine and everything that's going on. But, you know, I, I also want to still stay focused on our mission of just getting people healthy. I don't, I don't want to get so sucked into this that that's all we ever talk about. But but we're back to the f- we're back to big pharma again. You know, we're, we're, there's only two countries in the world that allow big pharma to advertise, and we're one of them. Unfortunately, the other country has always kind of been plan B for me. 
prior to all this stuff happening, I ever thought if I ever needed another country to go live in, it would be New Zealand. I don't know what it was. I just yeah. I've never been there, but I, I, I love what I know about it. Um, but they also allow, you know, big pharma to advertise. <laughs> they are getting so, yeah, I, don't, I, I don't, I don't even know how to describe this. There's a commercial out right now and I don't watch a lot of TV, but for some reason, one of the shows that I watch, this commercial keeps coming up all the time. Um, so that this commercial starts off with this woman on the street and she's interviewing people and she's asking them about, do you know what VMS is? And of course they don't know. And she says, well, it has something to do with hot flashes. And they, she said, what if I told you that hot flashes come from your, you know, hyperthalamus or she goes on a, a, and you're, I'm looking at him like, what is this all about? And they're like, oh yeah, that's amazing. And, and then at the end, all it says is just, you know, if, if you want more information on this, go to whatsvms.com. So it turns out VMS mm-hmm. is, is vasomotor symptoms or it's basically, and then they say it's the medical condition behind hot flashes. Now, look, I know that's uncomfortable. I get it. It's not life-threatening. But they, they make this big deal about, oh, it, it, we now have a medical condition we can talk about. And as soon as I heard that, I thought, oh, I know what this is. Once they have a medical condition, 100%. that means they have a drug. That, that's what this is exactly. all about. They never talk about drugs in this commercial. So I go to the website. Guess what they are prescribing for hot flashes? Hmm. I, I thought maybe they had some new drug for hot flashes. Oh, no. Why bother coming up with a new drug? Let's just pull one out of the inventory. They are mm. prescribing, and there's an entire website for it. They are prescribing SSRIs. Mm. Right. For hot flashes. Come on. Right. Right. And so this goes back to being educated on disease. You know, if you look at the word dis-ease, this means away from a state of ease. But big pharma wants to create an entity out of it. You know, disease is a disturbed condition. It's not a thing or entity like big pharma because as soon as they can create an entity out of it, they can prescribe something for it or vaccinate something, you know, and get a created vaccine for it. And that's the problem with naming symptomatology and creating an entity out of it. They create a product for it. And that's how they are the, the most powerful industry in the world. Because we are not educated on the true meaning of disease. You know, there's a, we've been talking a lot about books. There's another really good book out, just came out recently, uh, called Brain Energy. And it, it basically mm. what this whole book, and we've kind of struggled with this sometimes when, when we're working directly with, with clients and doing one-on-ones. You know, people are on some of these, you know, mental health medications, and we know they're not good. We know they interfere with a lot of of things in the body. And when you try to talk to them about, you know, could we try without these, these people panic. Like the, the response when you ask somebody to stop taking their SSRI is not good. Lauren, you deal with this all the time, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, you know, we, we, that was an area that, I don't know, we almost felt like we really maybe didn't know enough. We, we kind of treat these brain diseases as, as though they're different. This book says, hold on, there's nothing different about any of these mental conditions. They're all metabolic. Right. 
which is really eye Your epigenetic base. Oh, 100%. I mean, that's the thing. You, you can, you start moving, you change your physiology. You start thinking better. You're going to change your physiology. You start eating better. You're going to start changing your physiology. Everything is usually metabolic, lifestyle acquired, lifestyle related, somehow, some shape, some form. That's why we need to move well. We need to function well. We need to think well. Uh, and everything's related. Are you familiar with Dr. Yeah. Wolfson? Yes. Jack okay. Wilson, yeah. Yeah. The reason I ask, I was just with him at a conference, and he has a phrase very similar to that move well, think well, live well kind of thing, and I, I just love that. Yes, it's huge. It's everything. Your body adapts its physiology to meet the load it's under. We start putting it under good stress loads, it's going to start to adapt its physiology to meet that load in a good way. We can have negative loads as well. We have, we're smoking, we're not moving, we eat junk foods, nutritionally bankrupt foods. Those are all rocks in the backpack, and eventually our body's not going to be able to adapt its physiology to meet that load, and that's when we have disease. And that's called allostatic load, and that's based on the epigenetic model. And so if we can just educate the people on healthy lifestyle choices, you're going to start seeing chronic disease, which 80% of Americans are suffering with a chronic disease associated with poor lifestyle. Once we start focusing on those good lifestyle changes, you're going to start seeing a huge increase in, 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 in healthy people, healthy individuals. You're going to start seeing those diabetes, case, diabetes um, lower. You're going to start seeing obesity cases lower. You're going to start seeing heart disease lower because of people um, are making healthier choices. And that's the beauty of the body. You know, the body is self-healing, self-regulating, and it can change. You can be well. You can be healthy as long as you give the body what it needs. You know, I keep saying I'm going to let you go, but every time you talk, I get 32 more ideas <laughs> I want to talk about. So one more. <laughs> um, you, you mentioned those loads and, you know, smoking. We clearly know there's nothing healthy about smoking. I mean, that, that, that one's easy. You know, we know the junk food kind of thing. The one that I have learned more about in the last two years um, that has changed a, a lot about what I do. It, it came about, I, you know, I've worn uh, continuous glucose monitors multiple times. I, I still do it when I'm testing things. So much good information from that. Um, we have, uh, we worked with Garmin. We actually helped uh, develop a watch just for truck drivers. You know, Garmin specializes mm. their, their health watches for like scuba divers and people who race bicycles. And, you know, Garmin's really good at creating those you know, vertical kind of products. We worked with them and de developed one just for truck drivers. And one of the things, oh, that's awesome. yeah, it's really cool. One of the things as, as I worked with them, I got really into HRV, did a lot of research on HRV. And um, this watch does an excellent job of measuring HRV and then um, kind of turning that into uh, an instant stress number. And it, it actually shows us where our nervous system is kind of on that. It, it's a number from zero to 100. And it's kind of showing us the continuum of where we are in the fight or flight or restore and digest mode. So we can look at, you know, what's going on um, with our nervous system in real time. And it, it's just mm. incredible um, the amount of information we've been able to get from this. Well, I think that's phenomenal. I mean, you talk about the, the rest and digest and the parasympathetic system. I mean, most people are stuck in the sympathetic overload, again, which is fight or flight. We're in a high stress, chronic state of stress. So I think having a device that can monitor that 
and give that feedback and let you know what system you're in, it, it kind of helps guide you in that in the right direction. So I think that's huge. Yeah. Uh, Lauren, anything else before we let Dr. Tapper go? Well, I was just thinking that you mentioned New Zealand, Kevin, as a place that you always thought was kind of like a little safe haven. But did you see, and I, I was just reminded of this of the, the other day because we had someone write in. He said he is in need of a blood transfusion and is like absolutely terrified of getting vaccinated hey. blood. And he asked, he asked us if there's anything, you know, if any potential harm, if there's any potential harm for getting vaccinated blood. And I, if, I don't know the exact answer to that, but my initial thought was that the spike protein would come through the blood. Um, mm, I was doc- wondering if Dr. Tapper had any information on that or. Great topic. At all. It, that is a great topic. And I've had that question a lot and I've seen some things that it has, it does come across in the blood. The spike protein makes me nervous. This is not a normal vaccine. These spike proteins are, we need to, it's scary to me, the technology that's in the, in the vaccine. So anybody that has vaccinated blood with COVID vaccine, it's like, but again, if you're in a life or death situation, I just feel like, uh, you know, try to find a, know your blood type and know somebody that has the blood type that you have so you can get mm-hmm. that blood. Um, and that's, that's what I recommend. Don't just be okay. in that position, um, unequipped and unarmed. You know, I'd find two to three donors that have the same blood type as you find out what your blood type is and find some two to three donors that are unvaccinated and have the same blood type. That's the best great. advice that's I can give to you. Great advice. Yeah, it is. You know, um, and then another thing I was going to say, Kevin, about New Zealand, it reminded me, that question had reminded me that there was a video that was going around and it was a baby and the mother absolutely refuses to refuses to give the baby up to the doctors because it needed a transfusion and they were only going to give it vaccinated blood. Oh. And I think child services stepped oh. in and took the baby. It was so, it, I, it was so disturbing. The video, it must have been the father videoing what was going on, and it yeah. was so disturbing. Well, it was disturbing right. what, really what, what went on over there just in general. I was shocked by what went on over there. I know. Because mm-hmm. I think of New Zealand the same way. Yeah. Not anymore. <clears throat> well, that's the same thing, too. Let's say you refuse cancer treatment, the mo- you know, the, the modern-day cancer treatment. If your child, God forbid, ever gets diagnosed with cancer, and if you refuse a the medical treatment here, same thing. CPS people get involved, um, you know, um, and I think, and I'm afraid that they're going to do that here with vaccines very soon. That's what it's like. You know, refuse, refuse vaccinations for the child, you know, CPS is going to get involved. Um, I mean, they're making it harder and harder and harder for us to refuse these vaccinations. And that's why we fight so hard because we know that eventually they're going to try to make it almost impossible to function in society unless you have proof of the vaccine. Look at Argentina. You can't even get a driver's license unless you have proof of all the vaccines. And, and I think they're going to do that. They're trying to push. Van- there was restaurants here in Omaha that said there are people who say literally you cannot come in unless you have proof of your vaccine card. And it was a healthy restaurant. You've got to be kidding me. <laughs> You know, uh, <laughs> you know uh, they claim to be an organic restaurant. Uh, yeah. So, anyway, but yeah, that's that's it scares me when CPS gets involved. And again, taking your kids—that's that's a that's a scary thought. And Very it's scary. A, you know, I just pray that it doesn't ever come. Yeah. You know. Very scary. All right, wow. Doctor Tapper, I could talk to you all day long, and I'm uh, I'm I'm glad you're willing to come back. So uh, we we will be reaching out to you and uh, getting you back as things progress. Well, thank you so much, guys. I enjoyed the conversation. God bless you guys. Thank, thank you for right. your time. Take care. Yeah, thank you. Talk to you soon. You too. Bye-bye. Lauren, what do you think? Man, oh, man. Uh, 
Amazing. Yeah. I know. I just, I could pick his brain forever. He just, I have so many questions and I'm so happy he gave us all those resources because it, it comes up all the time now. You know, it I does. guess because a lot of my family members, you know, yeah. are having babies and they're yeah. like, well, what do you think about this vaccine? I'm like, honestly, I haven't done the research, but now we have the tools at least to start doing the research on our, on our own so that we can, you know, provide some information. You know, the, the other thing, um, cause I, I kind of feel the same way I'm looking, you know, and I've always kind of thought, do we really need these vaccines? And maybe I didn't fight back too hard or maybe I didn't research so much because for the most part, maybe there isn't all that much. You know, if you haven't known somebody who, you know, had a child who's now autistic, why did autism, you know, explode the way it did? Mm -hmm. I, I kind of, you know, stuck my head in the sand a little bit on the typical childhood, you know, vaccines, the stuff I even got 40 years ago you know, 50 years ago now, what am I talking mm -hmm. about? Um, but, the, you know, the more research I did, the more I thought, no, I think Dr. Tapper was right when he was talking about this 10 and 15 years ago, long before the COVID vaccine mm -hmm. brought it to the forefront. And But the other thing I would say as well is, if we're not going to vaccinate our children, and I'm now a believer that we just shouldn't, period, um, we also have to teach people how to get healthy. And, and I don't know that that's going to happen. You know, people I say, know. people say, well, look, these vaccines saved so many lives, polio and diphtheria and these other vaccines. But honestly, we could also say, wait a minute, 200 years ago, we didn't have vaccines and we didn't have outbreaks of diphtheria and polio. And what changed? And if you look at the history, what changed these infectious diseases that we immune, immunize against, we created them. They, they came about because we moved into cities and we didn't understand sanitation. Most people don't realize, and, and it's hard to get your head around this, people used to poop in a bucket and throw it out third floor windows in the city. I know. It, that's how you're right it was awful the cities were cesspools mm -hmm. of disease and so we had to vaccinate against it and maybe it was a good thing maybe the vaccinations actually were the lesser of two evils i wouldn't say the vaccinations were good but maybe the conditions and living in cities was so bad and people were dying that maybe vaccinations came about just as the lesser of two evils yeah. I mean, I, I'm very interested in diving deep into each one in the history. Yeah. And I'm not 100% sure because I haven't, I haven't checked yet, but Candace Owens on Parlor, which is another social platform that came about, uh, I think, during right. COVID it or did. maybe right before. Yeah, it did. Um, so apparently she has been doing, because she was injured by the Gardasil vaccine when she was a teenager. And they tried to give her another one and she said, absolutely not. I, I literally like passed out in front of you guys. Yeah. Like, how could you tell me that I should have another one? And she was infuriated. And then she had her first child just a few years ago and she really started doing her research into childhood vaccines. And from what I understand, and like I said, I haven't looked into them yet, but she does a, a breakdown of each of the vaccines and goes into the history and how many people were actually 
dying of these diseases yeah. and was the vaccine, did it make a difference? You know, all of this. And that's what I would love to see. I would love to see the backstory on right. pretty much every one of those diseases that they're claiming, oh, well, these vaccines, you know, saved, you know, millions of people's lives or whatnot. I would love to see some information on that. Right. I just, I don't believe it's there. Well, it's certainly hard to find. There's no doubt about that. It's certainly it's so hard, hard to find. Fun. You know, we have had a, uh, we've had a, one. we've had a caller that's been holding on forever. So I'm going to grab him and bring him in here. We're going to go to Buffalo. Will, welcome to the program. Oh, and I'll let everybody know. Phone lines are wide open. Normally when we have a guest, everybody just wants to sit back and listen. Uh, but phone lines are open. Uh, Lauren and I are here. So if you want to jump in, now is the time. 855 855- Nine five zero three eight three five. Lauren, remind me before we wrap things up today. I want to talk uh, about carnivore of all things. Um, okay, great. Will, welcome. Hey, how you guys doing? Wow, what a fantastic guest! That was yeah. awesome. Yeah, is really something? Awesome. Yeah. And I, I know you have. You know, we do the screener bit, and it comes up there on your screen. Like, you know what? somebody wants to talk about I swear you were making a segue <laughs> about 20 <laughs> minutes ago when you were talking about the Garmin watch. Right. Because, you know, right. that's what I called about. Yeah. All right. So this watch is, you know, it's not just a watch. And it's not as um, app-supported as, say, like an iWatch or whatever Apple Watch thing. Yeah. And I've, I've been looking at it. And I'm trying to wrap my head around it. There's so little information about what it is, what it does, how it does things. And I, I was just wondering, like, could you make some videos or can you explain yeah. to me? No, you are correct. Uh, I feel the same way, and I've said that from the beginning. I wish there was better documentation. I've had to really spend a lot of time um, pressing buttons on this watch and playing with the app and just kind of figuring things out on my own. Um, I would say that is probably the biggest negative on the product, that, that it does so much, but we need better documentation to show us how to use these features. I agree with you. And I'd love to make videos... Uh, and it's on a project list somewhere. Um, oh, you know what? Now that we brought that up, talk about a segue, I might as well make it an announcement now because it's it's official as of uh, yesterday afternoon. Um, because of our project list and a couple other reasons, not the whole reason, um, I, I had to make a pretty tough executive decision yesterday. We're not going to go to Louisville this year. Um and that'll be the first time in like 32 years or something that I didn't go to Louisville, not counting the two years we didn't have it. Obviously, nobody went those years. But other than those two years, I, I haven't missed a Louisville in 30 some years. And I've done a seminar there every year for 20 some. Um, it's just not going to happen this year. It's just uh, it was almost the opposite. We were going to go really big there this year. And that's kind of what pushed this decision. I had a, a meeting with show management yesterday, and they, they, they want us there. They want us to do a lot. They don't have the room for us. I mean, I could go and give a couple two-hour seminars. Uh, it's just not worth it for us, not right now. So we will not be at Louisville this year. We're going to take that time, and we're really going to hammer out um, a lot of these projects that we're working on. 
And one of them, obviously, we're doing a lot with the Garmin watch. So I, I agree with you on that. It's an amazing watch. We just need to be able to teach people how to use it. Right, right. Um, now, this is based off of the Instinct 2, which I guess is about two years old now? Uh, could be, yeah. Yeah. Is there going to be a diesel edition? Always. Rutherford collaboration Instinct 3? Uh, always. Yeah, they're, they're, this stuff always moves forward. These sensors or these, um, you know, medical sensors are getting better and better all the time. They're getting more accurate. Uh, at some point, they are claiming we'll be able to measure blood glucose with a watch like this. They'll actually be able to do it from um, the... How? They're actually able to measure it out of sweat. It's not... Not oh ready. Gosh. Yeah, it's not ready for prime time yet. It's not quite as accurate as they want it to be, but they're working on it and they'll get there. So they, there's, you know, think of this watch like computers. You know, I had my first computer mm -hmm. uh, 40 plus years ago, and yet computers are still progressing rapidly every day. And this watch will be the same thing 10 years from now. Who knows what this thing's going to be doing? So, yeah, the. the Absolutely, mm -hmm. that this is uh, a, an ongoing thing. Excellent, excellent. Well, yeah, if you could make some some tutorial videos, yeah, because I know yeah. that it, 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 this this watch appears to be like as deep as you can possibly go, and then it's missing out on other features. I mean, I'm seeing other people. That, you know, like, I mean, I'm a big skier. And, uh, you know, it's missing out on, on things that, like, the Apple Watch does or the uh, Samsung Watch does because it doesn't have, like, an app store. But that's not its purpose. You know, it does it's have an app store. not a be-all, end-all. It, it does have an app store. Yeah, not to the same no, you're right. degree. Not, I mean, we but, can agree on that. Yeah, absolutely. It, it doesn't have the screen, but that's why it has, like, two to three weeks of battery life instead of, one hours. day, right. Um, yeah, one day. Yeah. The, the, you know, part of the problem with the Apple Watch is much of our good data we can only get while we're sleeping. Well, the problem with the damn Apple Watch is when am I going right. to charge this thing? Right. Right. No, I'm totally keen on getting into it, but it's like, yeah, looking things up, it's like, you know, you got people who are extreme sports people, and they're talking about something specific that I'm not going to be doing, and then Correct, you have other people right. who are like, well, I just wanted to plug into my uh, my my fitness machines at the gym, and right. I'm like, well, I'm not going to I know, <laughs> I know. Yeah, so, no, we, I, I, I agree with you. We, we'd, uh, it's on our list. We, we'd love to create some of those videos, and we just need to get to it. So um, this year, like I said, we made the decision right. we're, we're not going to go to Louisville. It's going to be too much of an interruption. We, but we also, during the meeting yesterday with show management, we're already talking about next year. That we decided, look, let, let's just skip it this year. Let's not push it. We don't have time to do it right. Let's not do it halfway this year. Mm -hmm. uh, so let's already start talking about next year. Um, so we, we next year may be a very, very big event for us at Louisville. We'll, we're talking about it. But this year, we decided we, we've gotten ourselves in a place where, where we're we have a lot of projects that we just need to get across the finish line. We've put a lot of work into them, and they're, they're close. Um, but going to Louisville now would just be too much of a disruption. So we're, we're going to hang out and try to get projects out the door. Brilliant. 
Well, thanks, Kevin. I'll let you get on to the next caller. Appreciate it. All right. Uh, phone lines are open. Phones are quiet today. That's unusual. Last uh, last week on Wednesday, we went about three hours with just pure questions. If you want to jump in and join us, I eight, know. yeah, eight five five. Nine five zero three eight three five. So, Lauren, I, I want to go back to carnivore again, and yeah, you know, there's been this progression. I, I still remember, you know, when we started keto, sounded like such a radical diet. Oh my God, you're just going to eat all this fat, and they tell us fat's going to kill us, and we've been through all that, and we know the results. I mean, it was incredible. It's life changing. And then when I heard the carnivore diet, I thought, oh come on, you've gone too far. Uh, it really, you just want us to sit around and eat meat, eggs, and cheese, and fish. Really? Come on. But it's just that you, you can't deny it anymore. The, the, the more people lean towards more and more carnivore, the healthier they get and the fewer problems they see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. Especially people with dysbiosis and you know, they, and just issues in general with understanding what a ketogenic diet entails. And sometimes it can get a little confusing because there's so many rules, it seems. But if you're thinking carnivore, it just simplifies everything. It, it really does. And I, I'm almost to the point now where, where plant foods, vegetables or fruit or whatever is really optional that there is no requirement whatsoever to eat those things at all to be healthy. We don't have to. It's optional. You can, and you can add lots of vegetables into your diet as long as you're aware, you know, of which ones you need to be careful of. And, you know, we know that plant foods have chemical defenses. We have things like phytates and lectins and anti-nutrients and oxalates. And it, it seems like it's getting more and more clear that, some of us are susceptible to those things, but not, mm-hmm. not to the same degree. And like, I, I don't think phytates really affect me at all. You know, there's a lot of phytates in, in beans and legumes, and I, I can consume quite a bit of beans and legumes and not have any kind of health issues with it. So I, I don't think I'm overly sensitive to phytates. What I am overly sensitive to are oxalates. That's pretty clear. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I can watch mm-hmm. my oxalate consumption and correlate it to negative health outcomes. And I, I really have to mm-hmm. kind of watch that oxalate issue. And I do watch it because I don't want to give up some of those foods. I'd love dark chocolate. Um, and I do use almond products yeah. and those things. Again, I grow beets. And I mean, those things are high in oxalates and I have to, to manage it. Or, or mm-hmm. if I really had an issue or... I, I could just eliminate it. Just get those foods out of your diet completely. They're not necessary. I eat them because I like them. But I'm to the point now mm-hmm. where I, I'm just not sure that any of those foods are necessary for us to be healthy. Yeah. You mentioned dark chocolate. Did you see that that um, report about the, they did a study did. on like popular yeah. dark chocolate? Yeah, heavy what? metals. Well, I, I can't believe some of them. Yes. I know. Cadmium and lead. I know. Um, I'm actually going to talk a little bit about it on the, you know, the Q&A today. But I have a question. What dark chocolate are you typically going for? You know, a lot of my chocolate cacao consumption right now is coming from the mushroom adaptogens. 
Yes. Okay. That's where that's where most of mine are. Yeah. I was also enjoying those Q organic dark chocolates. Oh yeah. Um, but they were on the lead. They were on the list for lead. I I know that one really Stop. bothered me because that is some of the best chocolate I've ever eaten. Um, <laughs> that stuff is incredibly <laughs> good. My God. And I, I love chocolate. I've tasted just about every chocolate on the market. And when I had theirs, I'm like, okay, what are they doing different? Why is this chocolate so damn good? <laughs> I know it's addictive. <laughs> oh, sheesh, I know. Oh. But you're right. Now, you know, heavy metal issues. So, um, and again, it, we come back to, well, okay, if there's heavy metal in chocolate and these other plants and because it's coming from the soil and... Um, would we be better off just not having these foods in our diet? I, 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 there doesn't I seem to be any real proof anymore that we need those foods to be healthy. You know, there, there was a time we all believed, of course, you have to eat vegetables to be healthy. I mean, that's been drilled into our head our whole life. But it turns out that that just doesn't seem to be true anymore, that it, it, you know, you, you, I read these stories over and over and over from other practitioners, testimonials. These people come to them, and it's not unusual that the people coming with all the problems were either vegan or vegetarian. That seems to be a really common pattern as well. And by the time they get to a practitioner, they've got, you know, three different autoimmune conditions, and they have food allergies, and, and then... You read the testimonial and all they did, they don't talk about supplements. They don't, all they did was eat carnivore and everything resolves itself. So if it's that powerful that it resolves all these horrendous medical conditions, isn't it logical to think that maybe that's just the way we should eat every day? Yeah, yeah pretty I mean, yes, <laughs> that's my answer. The, the other thing, and I, I want to kind of get your take on this because you're more tuned into our one-on-ones and our discovery calls, and I'm not doing much of that anymore. When we were primarily keto, nutrient-dense keto, that was our go-to. That's, that's, we were using it for everybody. We got fantastic results. There's no doubt about it. But we also ended up developing mm-hmm. like six different digestive kits, Right. Yeah, Because we saw a lot of issues with digestion. Now, the good news is we can fix them. We do it all the time. But does, and and again, I'm asking from your perspective, are you seeing this? I don't know if I'm just out of touch on this or not. But it seems like people who move from, say, a standard American diet or a vegan or a vegetarian diet straight to carnivore, I don't, are we dealing with all those digestive issues? I mean, I'm still seeing digestive issues across the board, okay. but I have to say not most of those people are not, are not carnivore. Most of them, like 85 to 90% of those are not carnivore. That's what I mean. And, and if and, they are, yeah, or maybe they're carnivore. Yeah. 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 Sometimes they're carnivore ish. But for the most part, they're not. They're right. standard American right. diet. So. Oh, yeah. Then they all have digestive issues. There's no doubt. And and when yeah. we moved them from that to keto, we sometimes we actually saw some digestive issues get worse. And that's why we developed the kits. And it worked. But it seems to me mm-hmm. like 
Like I I was just looking at all of our digestive kits yesterday and I was looking at the individual supplements. And honestly, if somebody were going to go um, carnivore, carnivore carnivore-ish, ketovore, which is another word I kind of like, ketovore. Mm Mm-hmm. I, I kind of like that one. I've heard of that. Yeah, I, I kind of like that. I kind of like it too. That yeah. works. <laughs> yeah, I kind of like that. Um, it seems like I'm not seeing quite as many digestive issues. Some people report a little bit of constipation in the first couple weeks. That seems to resolve itself. I, I was looking at our supplements, and honestly, I would just say, look, if you're, if you're going to make this switch and you're going to try um, – keto carnivore ketovore something along this spectrum um hydrozyme hydrozyme seems like a really Mm -hmm. good general supplement um to kind of just strengthen your digestive system and i think for a lot of people it might be enough you know I, i we tell people a lot of times no supplements for 30 days let's just make sure you make the change in food and see what happens and i we there are a couple we talk about. Everybody should be taking vitamin D. Uh, everybody re- seems to benefit from light balance. I, I'm almost thinking in the beginning I, I would kind of throw hydrozyme in there. Yeah, I mean, especially if someone's increasing their protein. Right, and that's kind of what I was thinking along right. the lines of all the extra protein yeah. we might be eating. Exactly, because it's just going to help you break that down much easier. And just basically ensure that you're boosting, you know, kind of kickstarting and boosting your body's own production of it. So there's no harm in it. And it's not one of those supplements that we, that we ask people to stay on for very long, depending on the severity of your digestive dysfunction. But it definitely doesn't hurt just to ensure that that's kickstarted and that's, you know, working well for you as you eat more protein. Yeah, one of the things that brought this up, I you know, I'll go back to when I switched to keto and I said I went through three rounds of the fat digestion kit over about a year and a half or two years, and then I didn't need it anymore. Finally it just stuck. It my digestion was great. Um when and I'm I'm still noticing this now because I've gone I'm, I'm moving back towards much more carnivore than I've ever done before, I think. You know, I've always said I've tried carnivore. I've done it for a couple days, maybe a week at most. And then I, you know, add food back in because I get bored. Um, This time I'm doing it again, you know, some testing on some things and eating probably heavier carnivore than I ever have. The, and it's really working well in a lot of ways. The only, there's one downside to it and it didn't really dawn on me that it was it was this. I've talked about in the past, the one digestive issue I still have to deal with, and it's actually from an injury, it's from a motorcycle accident, is I get just unexplained nausea. And, and I've had it ever since I've had that mm-hmm. accident. I, it scar, I have scar tissue on my intestines and it causes nausea. And um, I, I started noticing, and I, it didn't dawn on me. I, I was getting this nausea occasionally, like in the afternoon, you know, and I started eating some fermented ginger, usually kind of takes care of it. But in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, what went wrong? What, why am I experiencing this nausea? And then it kind of clicked. Um, that is one of the signs of weak stomach acid. And I, I don't want to say weak stomach acid because mine's probably stronger than most people's. But when you start eating a heavy carnivore diet, you need a lot of really strong stomach acid. Yes, 
you do. <laughs> and if you notice that when you're eating heavy carnivore, and sometimes this happens to me with heavy keto too, too much fat, and I start to get, you know, some nausea in the afternoons. Um, the one thing that fixes it is the hydrozyme. Mm-hmm. Just take a couple hydrozyme right before that. the meal, and then that the nausea just never occurs. I don't need, I, I don't have to try to get rid of it as long as I take it before I eat this heavy, you know, before I eat my you know thirty two ounce bone in cowboy ribeye. I should probably take a couple hydrozyme. Yeah, I agree. I do that every once in a while when I'm going to eat a very protein heavy meal as well. I'll and I'll give one to Ryan as well so that we, you know, kind of start the few, our few bites of the meal with it. Yeah. That's how you want to be taking it guys. Right. <laughs> Just a little reminder. I feel like that comes up a lot is wait. So, and what do I take it even if it's, you know, a snack and I'm like, right. you know, if there's right. protein involved and there's a decent amount of it, I would absolutely take it. There's yeah. not even a question. Yeah. Um, but yeah, because I don't, I don't eat strictly carnivore. But if I'm eating something that's super heavy protein, I, I, I notice it helps me. Yeah, yeah, I, I really did too. So, um, hydrozyme, if you're, uh, if you're looking for just like a good general kind of digestive support, give that one a try. Um, let's take some more calls. Let's go to Texas. John, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. So I'm interested in this Garmin watch, but the problem I have is, well, I truck drive, but I also scuba dive. Can I do one product that will take care of both uh, hobbies, I guess? I, I, maybe. Um, you're probably going to have to do a little homework yourself and kind of compare the two. You could look at their scuba dive watch and see what features are on there that you really want. You'd look at the Garmin diesel and, and you're gonna kind of have to decide which one fits your needs more. Now, I will, I will, I, I will say this, that their scuba dive watch, I, I would imagine they have one based on the Instinct 2, which is the base model of the watch. The, the specific truck driver stuff may not be all that important to you anyway. And it will still track, if you get the scuba dive version of it, it's still going to track things like HRV and instant stress and all those things we talk about. So it, it, as I'm talking through it now, my first impression is you'd probably be better off with the scuba dive watch. Okay, so the scuba dive watch will will do that stuff that the diesel does. The the stuff you hear us talk about a lot, yes, the HRV. Now, it's not going to do, like, you're not going to be able to track your hours of service on it like you could the diesel. So what I'm saying is the specific trucking stuff may not be all that important to you anyway. I mean, if we're doing this for health, then all of their health features are in all of their watches, or most of them anyway. Okay, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, for me to track my hours of service on the lot. Who cares? Right. Next uh, right. But you're but the scuba dive features that are on the watch are important. Right. 
and since they'll both do the base, yeah, since they'll both do the base health stuff, then it seems to me like you'd be better off with the scuba dive version. Does it also, um, will the scuba dive version do the sleep? Stuff that you talk about? I believe so because again, the, their base models are all about health and sleep and all that. So they have a lot of different models. Sometimes I'm, I, I just have to be careful what I say because I might not be a hundred percent right on all the models. But but really, all of their watches are based on these health sensors first, and then they add the specific features on top. Okay. All right. Well, then I'll uh, I have to look into that a little bit more before I pull the trigger. Then. Yeah. And uh, make sure that make sure that I guess the stupid I watch will do the health things that I also Correct. want. Correct. Right. All right. Very good. I appreciate the taking my call. Thank you. You're welcome. Let's go to Kansas this time. Bob, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. I just had a question. I've heard, you know, I, I watch a lot of YouTube videos and I don't know if you've ever heard of uh, Andrew Huberman, but uh, on his podcast, he was talking about the carnivore diet and how it locks up your free testosterone with the sex binding globulin or some kind of protein anyways, binds up free testosterone. Have you ever had questions about that or have you ever tested your, uh, testosterone, your free testosterone. Say, say that again. I missed, the very, I missed the very beginning. What are we concerned about affecting testosterone? The carnivore diet. Andrew Huberman has been talking about the carnivore diet a lot. And he is saying that, and I, I'm total carnivore and I, and I, I enjoy, it. I've never had any issues with it or anything. I mean, it comes perfectly natural to me, but I mean, there's a few of these people in this space that are talking about this free testosterone issue in carnivores and that there's like this, this protein that binds your sex hormones and it's binding up. You may raise your whole testosterone, but your free testosterone is low. Have you well, ever had your testosterone? And I did. Is it- I did. I, I posted my results is probably a year, a year and a half ago. Um, I posted my results. My free testosterone is on the high side for an 18-year-old. At okay. 60, I don't. I think that's I, a pretty darn good sign. <laughs> I agree. So why are guys like that saying that about the carnivore well, diet? Why? I mean, to, why, I pretty hold, much. Hold, I respect. I can answer the why really easy. Now, I don't know much about this guy specifically. His name sounds vaguely familiar, uh, but I can tell you why. Why have doctors been telling us for 50 years that fat is bad for you? Why have they been telling us for 50 years salt is bad for you? Why have they been telling us for 50 years meat is bad for you? Uh, Most of what they've been telling us is wrong. Why would we be surprised that they're telling us one more wrong thing? Well, I I know that Joel Salatin, or um, Saladino, sorry, um, he, the carnivore MD, he mentioned it because his testosterone levels dropped. And what he did was a simple, very simple, um, like adding more carbs via honey and fruit. That's what See, he did. And his testosterone levels balanced back out. Well, and, and you know, that's a, a, 
an anecdotal, you know, one person. But I can also say that, well, I, I never gave up honey and fruit. You know, I, 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 I never, when I say I'm carnivore, those are, I, I've always said, I eat fruit every day and I eat honey every day. And, and, and maybe that is it. Maybe yeah. that's why mine weren't lower. Um, he, he, here's the other thing I'll go back to, though. Let's say that, that first off, I'd have to know when they say it lowers testosterone, lowers it from what level? Just, just your free testosterone. Well, right. Not, not your total no, testosterone, that, that's fine. just your that, free. That's fine. I don't need to get into the specifics of that even. But, but here's the more important thing. Lower than what? What are we measuring against? Are we measuring against somebody on the standard American diet? Are we measuring somebody who was keto or paleo and then went more carnivore? Which one? I have a very, well, very you know, hard time Baker believing. Has addressed- I, I have a very hard time believing that somebody eating a healthy carnivore diet has lower testosterone levels than somebody eating the standard American diet. Sean Baker even addressed this low testosterone thing. And he says that, you know, just like being more insulin sensitive, we're more testosterone sensitive. There you and go. So There's another factor. It doesn't factor. matter how high right. your testosterone is, uh, you're, you're, you're still you're, you're I, receiving the testosterone you need. That's a good point. And here's what I could say. I don't know of a single person eating carnivore that shows signs of low testosterone. Yeah, I certainly don't. I've never had that, and I've never heard this before. I've only heard that you know the carnivore diet raises of course your it testosterone. Does. But of course it does because I've it's, several, it's loaded with good cholesterol. Talk about it. We need cholesterol to build testosterone. This is loaded with good cholesterol, so if, it will make your again. You know, maybe what we're measuring here is somebody who moved off the standard American diet to a paleo diet, and their their um, testosterone would have gone up. Then maybe they moved to from paleo to keto, their testosterone might have gone up again. Maybe they move from keto to carnivore, and their testosterone goes down a little bit. Who? But is that really a bad thing? Maybe it's not, not at all. Maybe it's just completely normal. Right, right. I, 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 and I, I, I totally agree. I just want, I like to have these arguments kind of. Oh, no, I, I think it's good I, discussion. I, yeah. I, but, uh, well, here's the other thing we it. need hey, to think- keep reminding ourselves of. We are going to be wrong about a lot of things. We're going to be. We already have been many times. We've admitted when we're wrong and then we learn from it and we move on. That's how science, we were talking about that earlier, that's how science works. It's never settled. That's how medicine should work. And, and unfortunately, our sick care system doesn't work that way. I want to make sure going forward, we always work that way, that we remain humble and transparent and we, we admit when we make mistakes and we fix it and we move on and we learn from it. You know, I just to change the subject, but I was absolutely blown away by your discussion right there at the end. Oh, the whole thing was pretty cool with that doctor and he him saying about the transfusion. That's something I had never thought about. And this vaccine is going to be transfused to everybody, no matter how we what we do. Is, I, I, is that what he was saying? 
Yes, that if you end up, you know, I'm I'm thinking now, you know, like we we can have a living will. You know, in our living will, we write in clear instructions. If we are incapacitated and we can't make our own medical decisions, we make them ahead of time in a living will. We tell the, the facility what we want to happen. You know, we don't want extraordinary life-saving measurements. Don't, don't put me on life support. If, you, if I am so injured that I need machines to keep me alive, just let me die. I mean, people, you can make those kind of decisions. I, I'm going to go do some research now and find out, can I do some sort of a living will, a medical directive, that if I need blood, I, let me die? Or, you know, I'm not saying that's the choice I would make, but we need to be able to make that choice. And we need to be able to make it ahead of time in case we're incapacitated at some point. Well, can a fella give his own blood and I have think it so. stored? Somewhere? That's another good, you know, could we just, you know, donate our own blood and store it somewhere? I'm going to go research that kind of stuff. That's an interesting uh, one that I haven't thought of, but I would think if that was possible that there that would be a big business. Everyone would just store some blood. Well, it, I don't it, know it, it might why be, that has yeah. happened. Yeah. It, it, it might be. Let, let's go a little that would be a really good further. Business, we might as well just keep going down this rabbit hole. We're talking about transfusions and unvaccinated blood now being a thing. Let's go one step further. There is a lot of research showing that these spike proteins, which are causing the problems, keep showing up in places they are not supposed to be. This has been proven many, many times. Well, if that's the case, and I I don't know, I'm thinking off the top of my head as we're talking about this, um, could that spike protein be in semen? Oh, gosh. Definitely didn't think about that. Oh my gosh. It's not out of the question, right? Oh my gosh, yes. Jeez. Now, it, that's a whole other I, world. I know. It is gene therapy. It, it, <laughs> I, I don't think that's out of the question to ask that. No, it, I don't think it is. I think that's a good question. <laughs> Very valid one. Yeah. Wow. wow. Yeah, you might want to be careful who you sleep time. with till we figure this out. Yeah. You know what's funny? You know what might be really crazy? We, we, I talk about, you know, the people who still believe in freedom and liberty. We lost our mind over things like vaccination cards, right? Oh, hell no. What is this, Nazi yeah. Germany? I have to show my papers? Are you kidding me? <laughs> we lost our mind over that. But wouldn't it be ironic if it ends up the opposite? that I'm going to carry a card around to prove that I wasn't vaccinated and I'll be happy to do it. (laughs) Right? Like, you know, in the single scene now, no, look, I can prove it. I'm not vaccinated. (laughs) What a complicated life we live these days. Hey, Kevin, you guys have a great day. Take care. All right. Thanks for the call. Take care. Ah, uh, Lauren, what do you think? That's it's kind of mind-boggling, um, but mm-hmm. I, I think we have to think about this. I, I know I'm certainly thinking about it. I don't want to go anywhere. You know, I, I was a little concerned when I went in the hospital to get my hand operated on. 
you know, what, oh, what, I bet. I, I, what would stop some, you know, people are getting so emotional about this on both sides. People are being irrational about this on both sides. You know, I, I, and I don't like to think this way, but I started thinking, what if some nutcase doctor just decides to give me the vaccine and then say, oops. Yeah. You know, or not even tell you. It, right. No. Right. <laughs> so I don't even want to be anywhere near the medical system anymore. I don't want to be anywhere near where they might somehow find a way to get this into me. And I can't believe I'm thinking that way. I know. I feel exactly the same way. I mean, I've already thought about what's the future going to be like if all the unvaccinated um parents are like kids that are growing up now and they're unvaccinated and they're looking for a mate. Like yeah. what's going to happen when, yeah. are, you know, are they going to want to be like, find someone who's just you know, only the unvaccinated I'll only date the unvaccinated yeah. or is there going to be a social platform, dating platform for just right. vaccinated people? There, there, <laughs> there may be, there may very well be, there you know, one be. of, one of the stories that happened during the pandemic that, I hadn't ever thought of until it happened. And I thought, wow, how would I deal with that? Um, one of the practitioners I know we worked with very well. I'm not going to mention any names. Um, it, it was a female. And obviously, you know, she's a natural health practitioner. She was an NTP. And um, she was clearly very, very much against this vaccine. Her husband went out and got vaccinated and didn't tell her. They had agreed not to. Oh. Oh, I know. No. I wonder how many, how That's often that happened. Oh, I, yeah, I have a feeling it happened more than we think it did. Yeah. I do. I believe it happened more than we think. Yeah. Crazy. Oh, I'd be so upset. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know what that. Oh God. What do you okay. do? You know? Well, look, there's one thing it, it there's two things wrong here. One, everybody has the right to make up their own mind about this. So I, I'm not exactly. saying the spouse, you know, that. getting the vaccine was wrong. I, I'm not saying that. I clearly have my opinion about it, but I believe everybody has the right to have their own opinion and do whatever they want around this. Where he was wrong was not telling. By agreeing to one exactly. thing and then go doing another. That's what I'm saying is wrong. Not, not that he got the vaccine. That's his choice. Clearly his choice. Where he was completely yeah. wrong was agreeing to one thing and then trying to hide it. Exactly. I agree. Yeah. I completely respect everyone's personal decision for their own health. Absolutely. And health of their children. Yeah. And family. You know, the, 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 the children's always the tough one. You know, I struggle with that one. Look, I, I, you, can, you can make your own decisions for your own body. And I, I get it. Parents are the ones that have to make decisions for kids. But that one bothers me a little bit, really. And it's only because I have such a strong opinion about how wrong this all is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I find it troubling to think that there's a chance that we could lose our right to, you know, saying no to things like a vaccine or anything like that. I mean, to hear that in Argentina, you you can't you can't get a driver's license without 
having all your vaccinations and and then what's going on in New Zealand that was a shocker for me so all of these things it's it's really a scary time to think that our rights you know are, are threatened yeah yeah it really is all right what else you have going on today Today, we have a live Q&A on Facebook. Uh, that is on Let's Truck Tribe Facebook page. And that's at 3 p.m. Eastern time. And we're going to be talking about the importance of micronutrients, um, vitamins and minerals specifically. We'll talk about how minerals play a role in the keto diet and how they can affect, um, you know, you know, keeping away from having symptoms like the keto flu and things of that nature. We're going to be answering some questions on there. Actually, that was a, one of the questions um, had to do with keto flu. And then we're going to talk a little bit about these, the dark chocolate um, bars that they're saying that dark chocolate companies that are contaminated with heavy metals. We're going to discuss that a little bit. Um, but for the main Topic is going to be about micronutrients. So that's at 3 p.m. Eastern today. Got it. Excellent. All right. Well, I think I'm going to check real quick here for calls. Looks like we are out of calls. Looking through my notes to see if there's anything. I got notes everywhere. Let me see. Check a couple other places <laughs> real quick to make sure I didn't forget any. Almost every week for... Um, destination health it seems like i get off the air and i think oh fuck i wanted to talk about this and i forget so trying, I to, trying to make sure i know I, 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 were you on last oh i don't think i talked about this last week i think i might have talked about it on my commentary did we talk about the fentanyl vaccine yeah i i know you and i have talked about it um i want to say you might have brought it up with when joel was on maybe Maybe yeah, it was a couple I weeks ago. I think I last. may have talked about it um, last week on my commentary on Friday. I thought that was kind of crazy. Um, talk, talk I about, can't believe that. I, <laughs> talk about taking two major problems, both caused by big pharma. Opioids have been a huge problem <laughs> for big pharma. Now vaccines are a big problem for pharma. Let's just combine the two. Yeah. Let's make. Let's create a problem and yeah. then we'll come up with a way I'll fix it. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Joke. All right. I oh. think uh, I think that was everything I wanted to talk about. Um, yeah, looks like it. Uh, some great resources from Dr. Tapper. I want to go check out some of those that I wasn't aware of. Um, I know. And we'll look forward Same. to getting him back on tomorrow. Um I've got Travis coming back, our, our accountant tax preparer. Uh, we'll be continuing our mini-series on taxes. Uh, it's a perfect time for that. Friday, uh, John, I think, has already confirmed. We haven't heard back from Joel yet. So uh, still got a busy week lined up. You've got a busy afternoon coming. Uh, so I guess we'll wrap this up for today then. Sounds good. It was a pleasure. Yes, thanks as always. We will see you back here tomorrow. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.